Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi everyone, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you, well, from location right now, as I record this intro, I am deep in the heart of the North Yorkshire Dales at uh, a site within the boundaries of the Yorkshire Dales National Park, uh, a spot known as Aysgarth Falls, and I, I hope you can hear the, uh, the roar of the, the waterfalls in the background, it's an absolutely beautiful and uh, idyllic spot. I've just moved away from the main part of the waterfall because it was so noisy. Um, but I hope there's still a nice little bit of ambiance in the background uh, to add a bit of atmosphere to uh, this first bit of uh, what is the second half of the Dexter Season 8 finale feedback extravaganza uh, that's, that's spanning months rather than probably a couple of weeks as I originally intended. But as I explained uh, in the podcast I put out just before Christmas... Um, Life and primarily work has has got in the way, and um, well, and, and as I talked about, the reduction in my <laughs> motivation and enthusiasm for the show had, had had been severely dented. So, yeah, weeks turned into months, and uh, it's of course it's now the following year. Uh, but I'm happy to turn my attention back to Dexter because uh, you know it was a it was a favourite show for such a long time, and. Um, whatever happened in the final season and its and its shortcomings and certainly the shortcomings of the the final few seasons uh, that of course we've we've dissected and talked about at length um it's a show that uh, that, that gave me a lot of pleasure and it's uh, still very near and dear to my heart uh so as i say it's with great pleasure that uh, i'm turning my attention back to it once again and honoring you guys the uh, my my very valued listenership for whom i, I well, who I certainly do not take for granted, and uh, each and every one of you, I'm very grateful for you uh, listening and, and tuning in and being patient through these, these tricky months. As, as I say, it's just been so busy. Oh, my word. There's a woodpecker up there. Great spotted woodpecker, very nice. See, this is what happens when you broadcast from out in the wilds. Um, just to sort of describe the scene... So I'm going to digress now, <laughs> go off topic. <laughs> but you're used to that, aren't you? You've stuck with me this long. <laughs> if you found it tiresome, you, uh, you wouldn't have stuck with me all this time. <laughs> um, it's, it's a lovely sunny morning, blue sky. Uh, one side of this, I'm in a sort of, kind of a semi-ravine. Oh, a ravine, it's quite broad really. But, but there's a river, a lazy river, quite wide, maybe, I don't know, 20 metres across. Uh, flowing slowly down to the, the waterfall uh, away to my left uh, and as I'm looking across the river uh, there's a very steep uh, rocky cliffside going up the back there uh, with, with mature trees uh, lining it and that's where the woodpecker's kicking around at the moment just pecking amongst the moss on the side of a, a branch looking for insects underneath um, see a bit of David Attenborough on uh, Dissecting Dexter. Uh, lots of bird song. We're coming into spring now, which is fantastic. I love the spring. I probably say this every year on the podcast. Um, things are starting, just starting to show a bit of green on the trees as 
um, this rather unusual winter. It's been so mild and wet and windy. Um, this winter comes to an end. I mean, across the UK we've had terrible weather. I mean, usually it's it's ice and and snow and just general grot. But it's it's been well, it's been such a problem with flooding this winter. Some areas are still really badly affected. Um, I'm not sure what the number is. About fifty thousand homes, I think, have been flooded. Just off the top of my head, um, wind damage. Our house didn't escape. We lost a few tiles off um, the top of our uh, ridge tiles off the top of our roof. Uh, one of them bounced off our conservatory roof and put a hole in that. Took down part of the gutter. So we've got a builder coming next week <laughs> to uh, to repair that. As I record today, it's uh, the 11th of March, uh, so considerably later than. Um, I intended to get back to the, the feedback and um, I was going through some of it only yesterday and uh, uh, it was making me miss you guys, miss talking to you and talking about Dexter and it all came rushing back even though it's been several months now since the series ended. It's nice to be thinking about it again even though uh, most of us were disappointed with much of, of the final season. It was good to be thinking about it again and um, sort of embracing the, the podcast world again. I, I do love podcasting. I love talking to you guys and hearing back from you and, and interacting. Um, it's, it's uh, I don't want to say an elixir because that's, that's a bit of a superlative, but <laughs> it's, um, it's good. It's a good feeling to be reaching out and have you guys reaching out back to me. Um, you know, it's a two-way thing, and and this podcast is is regarded, I believe, amongst the the podcasting community as as the Dexter podcast that that truly um, puts a lot of emphasis on the listeners and, and the Dexter fans, and uh, really embraces your feedback as a, as a substantial chunk of the podcast each and each and every episode, and and, and this one is is pretty much solidly your feedback. I mean, I'll be I'll be summing things up at the end of course but this being uh, the final podcast addressing uh, the final season of, of Dexter uh, so let's not dither any longer and get, get into your feedback which I strongly suspect uh, will be a little bit jarring because uh, you can hear the background noises now as a, a grey wagtail flies past me uh, typical sort of upland bird on, on these sorts of waterways always nice to see um, I lost my train of thought. That's typical for me, isn't it? I bet you've not missed that. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a bit jarring because uh, I'll, I'll, I will. I'll, I'll have to record the uh, uh, the actual feedback section with my laptop in front of me because I can't. I can't. Uh, obviously, I don't learn your <laughs> your emails <laughs> word for word, and I need to uh, need to refer to my notes. So, um, little peek behind the curtain there. Okay. I'm waffling again. Let's let's crack on. We'll get stuck into your feedback. Second half of uh, the Dexter season eight finale feedback. Here we go. Listener feedback. Okay, waterfall gone. I've now relocated to the southern end of North Yorkshire, 
just sort of south of, south of York, in between York and Selby. Uh, but I'm parked up waiting for my next job of the day, and uh, you will hear the old car go past, so apologies in advance. I shall try and ignore them as best I can. <laughs> okay, let's dive... Do you know, it's, it's such a stark contrast to where I was a couple of hours ago. Such a beautiful location, so now um, a, a very suburban one. Uh, but such is such is North Yorkshire. Beautiful place, but it's got its uh, very ordinary parts as well. But um, no, it's nice to have those beautiful areas as a. I think of it as my my second office when I get to go out and about on on jobs out in the field. And um, yeah, it uh, it does lift the spirit sometimes to go to some of these lovely places. Anyway, I digress once again. Let's get into your feedback because uh, we do have a lot. I thought I, I'd uh, in the podcast before Christmas that I'd split it fairly evenly, but no, I really hadn't. <laughs> I hadn't accounted for uh, a good chunk of the uh, voicemails that I hadn't um, collated at that point. But I've got everything now, so uh, here we go. First email. Jerry Hopper says, Well, it's over. I have to say that I really enjoy this episode for the most part. I've tried to use your advice and just let go and enjoy the story for the last two episodes, and it was good, just not great. I think I'm repeating myself, but this could have been so much better. And as a fan, I wanted this to be the greatest season of Dexter ever. Here are my thoughts on the finale. I enjoyed the scenes between Deb and Quinn, but I wish they'd spent a little more time, maybe some of that Masuka daughter time, building that relationship up. It would have... It would have much more. It would have been much more powerful if the audience had time to see them as a couple. Saxon was slightly more menacing this episode, but nowhere near scary enough. If they were going to go this direction, having the audience aware and showing him in action the entire season would have built the tension. The scenes in the hospital between Deb and Dex were very good. Pretty much any scene with these two is going to be, even if the writing fails. I enjoyed the flashbacks to Harrison's birth. It was heartbreaking seeing the old happy Deb. The hurried wig was very distracting, though. I knew when Dexter was saying goodbye to Hannah and Harrison that it was all over but the crying. No surprises there. I don't necessarily love Hannah, but I really enjoyed the scene between she and Elway. Her this-is-what's-going-to-happen line was great. Michael C. Hall is such a phenomenal actor. How he transforms his face when he's in Dexter's serial killer mode is amazing. I knew Saxon was as good as dead. The scene with Batista and Quinn was fantastic. The dark humour, amazing. This just underlines what I've been saying all season about bringing in all these new characters. The chemistry between these three could have made for an amazing season. However, they were on screen together all season for maybe two minutes. This was probably my favourite scene from the entire season. I really did not want Dexter to die at the end of the series, but I think I would have preferred it to this ending. I liked Clyde Phillips' ending idea. It would have been amazing. I think seasons one to four show what a vision Clyde had for the show, and it's hard to think about what might have been. All in all, I'm not completely against anything in the finale. I enjoyed it. However, my investment in the finale was diminished a great deal due to the season being so horrid. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your podcast, Gareth. It has been wonderful to hear your thoughts and breakdown on each episode. Also, giving the fans a forum to send in their feedback gave us a place to put all of the frustration most of us have carried around this season. I can't wait to follow your recap podcast. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Jerry. Some interesting points raised there. Deb and Quinn, they're 
getting back together scene was one of the most ridiculed of the season, in particular the cheesy music that played as they kissed, rattled many cages. Of course, we all love Deb, and I think some of us were even warming back up to Quinn this season, but their reunion seemed a bit too forced and rushed, although now we know where the season was headed, I can see why they did it. It just never quite felt organic enough, even though it was obvious Quinn had never stopped loving her. But from Deb's perspective, it seemed forced to me and used as a plot point to raise the stakes for her eventual demise. I know some have expressed negativity about the flashbacks with Harrison's birth, something that we know happened between seasons three and four. I didn't mind the flashback in the finale, although again, you could say they were heavy-handed, more foreshadowing of what was to come, but it did serve as a reminder given this was the series finale, a reminder of where Deb and Dex once were, who they used to be, how close they were. It reminds us of what they both lost, or were about to lose. Hey Gareth, it's Ken from Pittsburgh. I'm just leaving a voicemail for some finale feedback. Um, you wanted to hear some positive things, so I'll, I'll try to um, do that for you. I, I thought in the finale that uh, Quinn, Batista, Matthews, and Dexter, they all sold me on their reaction to Deb's uh, shooting and stroke. Uh, I thought the finale was um, very emotionally effective. You know, it didn't just tug at my heartstrings. It kind of took my heartstrings, wrapped them around my neck, and choked me out. Um, so much so that, you know, maybe the uh, blood running to my brain was going thin. Uh, I wasn't thinking critically throughout the entirety of the episode and um you know th- th- that led to me being uh you know emotionally uh, charged throughout the entire episode um and uh, basically though as soon as the episode ended and i started thinking about the finale um you know everything kind of collapsed uh every emotional moment had some element of um stupidity behind it maybe or something that infuriated me when I stopped to think about it like when I stopped to think about you know it it was very emotionally effective how Dexter uh, buried Deborah but when I stopped to think about it I was mad that Deborah didn't get a burial I was mad that he didn't weigh down Deborah with any anchors or anything so Deborah's gonna rise you know she's gonna show up on a beach in like a week bloated and rotting um it made me mad to think about the fact that Aster and Cody uh have lost um their aunt Deb and Dexter and their brother uh it's made me you know a a lot of small things have made me mad when I stopped to think about it um so really the emotional effect uh of the finale um has come with the cost of, you know, it was, it was very emotional at the time, but now that I look back, I feel like they kind of, like, it was a rip-off. Like, um, it was very emotional, but also in a way that they insulted my intelligence, or I feel like they have, because, um, I feel like the, the people who, you know, the writer Dexter are like, you know, Oh, it's all about the emotion. You don't care about 
um, the shows being intelligent or anything like that. So, I don't know. But there's some positive mix, but some negative feedback, Gareth. Um, that's really all I have to say about the finale um, in terms of quality. You know, I can go on forever about nitpicks and how Dexter should have been, uh, or my idealized version of Dexter. Um, but, you know, it, it's in the past now. You know, Dexter's over, and, and that's a sad thing, but you know, if we, you know, stop and think about how it could have been better, uh, I, 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 I think as we, you know, we stop and think about that, and we could write an infinitely, you know, like, stronger um, series of Dexter, not just one season. We could probably, from beginning to end, imagine a much better Dexter. But I think that only creates um, some pain, you know? If we just learn to deal with what we have, I think that'd be for the best for everyone. Uh, that being said, Gareth, uh, I just wanted to thank you for uh, doing this podcast. I've been listening... Uh, I th- I'm absolutely sure I think I've been listening to this podcast since uh, the season five uh, watch, which was the first season I, I watched... Um, as it was airing, I, I, I kind of Netflixed seasons one th- through four. Um, though those of you with Netflix know that season four wasn't on Netflix, so, you know, just, you know, take that with a grain of salt, how I watched season four. Um, that being said, though, uh, just thanks again, Gareth. Um, uh, I think as Travis said, no one would blame you for, uh, uh maybe not, uh, starting any rewatch podcast anytime soon, but uh, uh, man, won't it be a little bit therapeutic to just you know what, I'm actually kind of looking forward to a season 3 rewatch because I think season 3 gets a really bad rap, but um, alright, so long Gareth Uh, I'm sure this isn't the last you'll hear from me but uh, it's definitely going to be a while, so thanks again bye thanks Ken You've been a very good regular supporter of the podcast for a few years and you always raise good points and I appreciate your support and feedback. The season three rewatch will happen just a bit later than I originally intended. Hopefully we'll hear from you then. You made me compromise everything about myself that I care about. And I hate you for it. I shot the wrong person in that trailer. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I shot the wrong person in that trailer. On to an email now from Claire McDowell who says, Gareth, I needed to share my thoughts and feelings on the finale. I expect some of your listeners and even perhaps you are feeling a bit ambiguous over the last episode too. I didn't know what to think about the ending, except I think it helped me realise how I wanted it to end all along. I realised I needed the Miami Metro Homicide team to find out who Dexter really was. Wasn't that a huge part of what made the earlier seasons so deliciously filled with tension? I needed to see their reactions when they realised who'd really been working alongside them all those years. Whether Dexter disappeared, was killed or caught, that's what I needed to see. There were plenty of mistakes made by Dexter in the later seasons, and any one of those would have been would have uncovered him. 
That would have been a shock, but satisfying somehow. I was, however, very satisfied with Deb's demise. Could she have ever really been happy living with murder on her conscience? Conscience. I think not. I'm only sorry she didn't live to see Dexter uncover his real human emotions and return her love for him as a sibling. I love too that Dexter came full circle and sacrificed the woman he loved and his own son so that they'd be safe. It showed the depth of his feelings, feelings he never thought he had. Although as soon as Harrison whispered that he loved Hannah, I knew he'd never see Dexter again. A bit obvious that the writers wanted us to feel okay about Harrison being brought up by Hannah. However, overall, I do feel a bit let down by the final season. I liked that they left Dexter alive as a lumberjack to do who knows what to whom in the future. But other than that, I feel like the last season was a bit messy and lacking tension. However, I can live with how it ended, and it still will go down as one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. All my best, and I look forward to hearing from you about anything in the future. Thanks, Claire. You know, they could have made the finale 15 minutes longer, and had a couple of scenes the day after the storm, when Dexter's boat had been discovered and Metro are looking for Harrison, and they find Deb missing, and actually have Batista and Quinn start to put things together. Quinn could have talked about his previous suspicions. A big problem that critics have had with the show over the years is how generally incompetent Miami Metro have been. To have a serial killer in their midst all this time. OK, we know Dexter's good, but seriously, these are detectives who catch killers for a living. It brings me back to my overall disappointment with the season, that it could have been so much more. Have the net close in. They could have still had Deb die somehow and Dexter fake his own death, but I'm still left thinking, if only. On to another email now from Tony, who says, First off, I'd like to say that I want everyone to go listen to the email I sent into last week's show again. It feels good to know that I called a lot of what happened correctly. Now, I'm not one to nitpick small things, mainly because once you start doing that, you will subconsciously judge the next episode in a negative fashion as you watch it. Case in point with some of the regular call-ins. I'm not saying this season was flawless, but some of you were actively looking for flaws rather than looking for the reasons you keep watching the show. That affected your outlook on things, and it's a shame. Having said that, I have to address people who hated the finale and give my insight on it. People who were complaining about certain subplots this season seemingly wanted everything to have relevance to the main plot, but that was not ever intentional. For example, Masuka's daughter was brought in to give Masuka, a character we've grown with for eight years, some sort of closure with the audience. Some sort of... No, I've read that wrong. Some sort of closure with the audience. <laughs> she was not there to integrate into the main plot regarding what will happen to Dexter. Had she not been introduced, no matter what happened to Dexter, we would imagine afterwards that Masuka would just go back to his job and do his day-to-day -day routine. But now, after the show's over, his character has more depth. Where we once imagined Masuka drowning his sorrows away at strip clubs, we can now infer he has a new reason to wake up each morning. Regarding the ending, any other ending would have been far less dramatic or realistic, given the show's character development, in my opinion, even if they had a whole season to write it out. If Dexter was caught, 95% of the cast we grew with for years suddenly turn into our enemies, eliminating any viewer closure with these characters. A good amount of screen time would have been spent avoiding police, which is something we've already seen on a small scale, and it wasn't all that interesting. 
After he's caught, Miami Metro goes back to business as usual, and forever remembers Dexter as a criminal. Boring and predictable ending, if you ask me. Clyde Phillips revealed that his ending was going to be Dex getting caught and looking at the ghosts of his victims as he's being lethally injected. I don't know about you guys, but that ending just doesn't sound as satisfying either. Sure, some of us expected him to die, but did we want him to die? As viewers, we see Dexter as being pretty moral, even though killing is seen as an immoral action. We know he's doing it for the right reasons and that he's justified in his killings. Knowing that, to have him killed off would not leave most fans satisfied long term, even if it might satisfy their expectations at the moment they're watching it. I really enjoyed the ending and feel it was justified given the human emotions Dexter now finds himself capable of feeling. I also enjoyed that Deb was his final kill, and that Batista and Quinn both knew Dexter had killed Saxon on purpose but were letting it slide. The point I believe they were trying to make was that Dexter has finally overcome his psychopathic tendencies and for the first time in his life has rid himself of all the people he cares about, not having to worry about their safety. He's finally free to do as he pleases. I'm personally filling in the blanks by assuming he's done, by assuming he's done killing, based on the fact that his love for Hannah would still exist even though she's not around and have him telling Saxon he doesn't have the urge or desire to kill anymore. I also interpret his new life as a lumberjack, as a way of doing his heavy manual labour to atone for his past sins. Sorry if this was long, but it's the wrap-up show and I had to get all my thoughts out there. This is actually only a small fraction of my analysis, but I'll spare you from having to read any more. Thanks again for the show, Gareth. Your hard work is appreciated. Thanks, Tony. Some great points there. Let me see... It's easy to get bogged down in nitpicks, that's true. But in defence of the critics, some of the issues that have been raised weren't exactly tiny things. I don't need to go through them all again, but while some comments can be seen as picky, you have to admit there were some big problems as well. But like I've said before, we are all different, and we each have our own tolerance level for the negatives, and what bothers one person may not be an issue for another, that's just how it is. Opinions. Thanks again. Next, an email from Ari the Invincible. He says, I appreciate your upbeat take on the season. It's helped me to be receptive to the bright side. Though, overall, despite a fun final episode, I think the Dexter team let us down. In that last episode, it was very satisfying to see Dexter get badass on Oliver Saxon. I thought it was a little surprising that Saxon, who had seemed pretty clever, went for the bait so quickly. But perhaps Saxon perceived that he was doomed and that committing suicide by Dexter was his best option at that point. I'm wondering, incidentally, if you think that the brain surgeon had renamed himself after Oliver Sacks, the very famous neurologist and author. In my view, the writers have made two fundamental missteps this season, from which all other problems flow. We are obviously meant to understand that Dexter and Hannah are true soulmates. If we can accept this premise, we root for them as a couple. The problem is that almost nobody is willing to accept this, and that is because the writers did the unthinkable. They had Hannah attempt to murder Deb, whom we viewers actually love and care about more than we love and care about Dexter himself. Deb, as you have often pointed out, has become the heart and soul of the show. In the last couple of seasons, in particular, the question the show has asked us to ask ourselves is, how will Deb react to this, and what will this do to Deb? We want to protect her and keep her safe. 
because we identify with Dexter and that's what he wants. So when Hannah did the unforgivable and attempted to kill Deb, it became unforgivable in our eyes for Dexter to love Hannah. No matter how cute, how blonde, how well she affects an American accent, Hannah can never be worthy of Dexter. And we despise Dexter for loving her. This is, I am sure, not what the writers intended. Rather, we were meant to understand that Dexter and Hannah's love must truly be a wonder of the universe, since it can overcome Hannah's villainy. It can for Dexter, but not for us. So, we don't root for Dexter and Hannah, as we're supposed to. It's not tragic for us that they don't end up together, quite the contrary. The second problem is the contradict... Contra that's easy for me to say. <laughs> the second problem is the contradictory way they have treated Dexter's personal growth. Dexter himself has become a muddle. We've spent the last couple of years watching him turn from Pinocchio into a real boy, with empathy, and most importantly, the ability to resist the urge to kill. He is no longer a monster, and he knows this. He proved it to himself in the hospital with Saxon, and yet he puts himself into self-imposed exile, supposedly to protect Hannah and Harrison from the very monster he knows he no longer is. He's not protecting them from his future crimes, he's punishing himself for his past crimes, acting against his sister's solid advice, which was, don't feel guilty. The sheer selfishness behind Dexter's fuck-up is unbelievable. Solely to protect himself from feeling guilty, he is denying Harrison a father and forcing Hannah to bring him up alone, in a country in which he is a stranger and without the benefit of child support payments. If he's truly worried about hurting those he loves, he has a strange way of showing it. How could he possibly hurt Hannah and Harrison more badly than this? We're meant to understand that this is some kind of grand gesture on Dexter's part, that he's taking one for the team, confining himself to his Unabomber cabin, to save Hannah and Harrison from the horror of having him in their lives. But he never asked them if that's what they wanted. Deb, from her hospital bed, emphasised to Dexter that her choices, where she ended up, were her responsibility. So too are Hannah's. But Dexter would presume to make this decision for her. He's deciding for her that she is better off without him. In the end, there is nothing honourable about what Dexter has done. Indeed, leaving Hannah and Harrison in the lurch and allowing them to believe him dead may be the most monstrous thing he's ever done. And worse, it's inconsistent with his character and his journey of self-discovery. Like you, Gareth, I trusted the show and trusted the writers, and they let me down. Thanks to you, though, for being a fine and trusted companion along the way, it's truly a sad commentary on the show that, in this final season, I've enjoyed your show more. Thanks, Ari. Kind words. You hit the nail on the head with your thoughts on Hannah and how the writers totally misjudged it when they expected us to root for her. They had Dexter choose Deb over Hannah in Season 7. Soulmate or not, she tried to kill Deb, and Dexter stood by his sister. He made his choice. And for me, I respected him for doing that. It made logical sense for the character. And that's the thing with characters in shows like this. They can do crazy things sometimes, but as long as you can rationalise it, account for it, as, as long as it makes some logical sense as a, um, a, a plausible thing for the character to do, you can buy into it, or at least accept it. And this then became a big problem for the final season, that the writers had Dexter forgive and forget. Hell, not even mention the fact. I described it earlier in the season as the elephant in the room. It didn't make sense for the Dexter we thought we knew. Then, 
Ari, you bring up Dexter's self-imposed exile as another big misstep. I think there are two sides to this, because it did make some degree of sense to me that he could do this. On the one hand, like you said, it undid all the progress he'd made, proving to himself that he didn't actually need to kill. He could have honoured Deb by living his life, not killing anymore, bring up Harrison, be a dad to him, a proper dad. And we've knocked him for not being that, haven't we? Be a family, be a proper family with Hannah by his side. Like you said, Deb told him not to feel guilt. I'd have been fine with that too, actually. He'd been portrayed by the show as a heroic serial killer. Why not have a hero's ending and have him reunite with what's left of his family? But to play devil's advocate now, the counter to this is that we should remember that Dexter is fundamentally a damaged individual who suffered incredible trauma and struggled with himself and over who he is for so long. He's seen time after time how his actions cause harm to those he cares about. His mother he can't be blamed for, but Harry to an extent, Rita certainly, and now Deb. He saw how even when he tries so very hard to move forward with his life, stop killing, even then he saw he still can do damage. So, bearing in mind that he's psychologically damaged, however far he came on his personal journey, it made some sense to me that he'd react like that protect Hannah and Harrison from himself like he couldn't trust himself to be able to keep him to keep them safe. There was nothing to say he'd end up killing again, but in his mind, this is how he could ensure their safety. Obviously, we have to ignore the flawed logic that leaving his son with an established murderer is a good idea. It's also perhaps a very human reaction to want to atone for your sins, punish yourself in some way, and this is how he did it. He is a damaged individual, and he made a judgement call that we can argue wasn't the best one. We can argue it might be a, a childish and illogical knee-jerk one, but it's the decision he made. I mean, for all we know, maybe a few months down the line, he might say to himself, Hang on, Dex, this is stupid. What kind of numb-nuts are you? Get a ticket to Buenos Aires and be with your son. And Hannah. <laughs> Honestly, now I've talked about it, with you guys. I can see how either direction could have worked. I'm not saying I think Dexter made the right decision. I don't like the thought of Harrison growing up without his dad. Hannah believing him to be dead. That's sad. I mean, I'm less bothered about how Hannah feels, but it's still a sad situation, and Dexter put them in it, willingly. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have been okay with seeing them all together in Argentina. Given the anticlimax of the season, Seeing Dexter finding some happiness at the end would have sat well with me. I don't think he made the best call, but I can see how it made some degree of sense for the character to make such a decision. Thanks, Ari, and thanks again for your kind words. It's flattering to hear you actually enjoyed the podcast more than the, more than the actual show. Another email now. Uh, Ken Wong in the Bronx says, After watching the end of Dexter, I was not really sure that it was the last episode. I actually tried looking it up to see if it was actually the penultimate, or the last episode. Honestly, I didn't know for 24 hours, and then I figured it out, and then everything began to set in my brain. I'm saddened to see him all alone, surrounded by chainsaws, while the girl of his dreams and his son are in another country, literally worlds apart. It was interesting that for the first time Dexter shed a tear when he let go of Deb into the water, and Hannah also shed a real tear when she read about Dexter's demise on the internet. 
I'm hopeful that in a season or two, since they left that door open a bit, that my favourite television persona will return and clean up the South American countryside of all their dirtbag drug kingpins and in the process seek out his son and soulmate. I know, it's a pipe dream, but it's less than a week since I watched it and I'm still reeling over the finale. Michael and cast will be missed. And what will happen to your podcast? I think that I've listened to all of your podcasts two or three times now and it never gets old. I'll certainly miss your dissecting of the shows. Well, if you get bored and you want to do it all over again from season one, then I vote for that. Thank you for giving me so much listening enjoyment, travelling to and from work, 80 to 90 minutes each way to Wall Street. Thanks so much for your kind words, Ken. We know the door is open, technically. Dexter's still out there. I don't know whether Michael C. Hall will be rushing back to another long-term TV series. We know he wanted to move on to other projects, but we do know, uh, by all accounts, that Showtime wanted to keep the door open and not have Dexter die at the end of the show. So, uh, who knows? We, we, we do know that Dexter was a big money spinner for Showtime. So, financially, I well, we couldn't blame them for wanting to bring him back. I'm impressed that you've listened to my podcast two or three times. I, I'm very impressed. <laughs> I don't know whether I'll go back and do secondary watches of uh, early Dexter seasons. Uh, let me get through seasons three and four, uh, and then uh, <laughs> and then we'll talk about it. Okay, on to another email now. Chris in New Orleans says, Something I thought Chris or Travis would have brought up regarding Angel. From Angel's point of view, and for the rest of Miami Metro and Jamie, Dexter died on his boat and Harrison is missing. As you recall, they don't know about Hannah. Harrison and the flight out of the country. Are they to assume that Dexter committed suicide and drowned Harrison at the same time? I suppose Elway could have filled them in later. I really think that Dexter was acting in the moment to fake his death and to go into exile after Deb's death. He should have taken some time to reassess his situation and then gone to Argentina and reunited with Hannah and Harrison. I have a son that's Harrison's age, and to think that my favourite TV character would forever abandon his son really makes the show end on a sour note. Thanks, Chris. Yes, Dexter probably did make a hasty decision, but given the circumstances, he had to, really. Like I said, I'm not saying it was the right call, but he made a hasty decision nonetheless. Like I talked about in response to Ari's email, you can argue either way, really. Which decision would have made the most sense as something Dexter would do? I've got two young sons myself, both a bit older than Harrison, but I know it would destroy them if they thought I was gone. We're that close. I would never willingly let that happen. Dexter knew what it's like to lose a parent, yet he inflicted it on his own offspring. You can rightly say it ends the show on a sour note. No way was it a happy ending, that's for sure. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. But what do I have to offer a child? Just me? Demented Daddy Dexter. Another email now. Adam Moskowitz writes, Now that it's over, I'm sad to say the series finale actually managed to tarnish the show's legacy. Reflecting on the past two seasons, since the writers knew they would be the final two, it's a fruitless task. I don't want to put the full blame on one person, but I recently learned that Scott Buck was responsible for seasons 6, 7 and 8, the three seasons I dislike most about this show, excluding the Deb Finds Out storyline, which was essentially inevitable 
and even that was ruined by the whole in love with my adopted brother story, it seems they lost their fire, lost the overall plot and the tension that made the show as great as it was in the beginning. There was no urgency. The story that played out in season 8 begged to be more dramatic, and the ending feels like a cop-out. With all the talk of a spin-off, I guess they wanted to leave it open-ended, but with bearded Dexter driving a truck with logs and then going into his place and sitting at a table, we got nothing. No hints. Just them putting it on the audience to decide how this story ends. Cop-out. Buck is the antithesis of what Dexter used to be. Smart. <laughs> to me, it seems that Oliver Saxon's role would have been the perfect fit for Lewis Green, had the actor not had to leave the show and subsequently be killed off. All the groundwork was there, especially with the ice truck killer, Hand, alluding to their brotherhood. They looked similar, and Lewis could have easily passed for an older version of Daniel Vogel, same as Saxon did. And that would have been much more satisfying, because he sneaked his way into Miami Metro as Masuka's intern, and even dated Jamie, so he was in with Dexter and Harrison's life. There was even that great scene in Dexter's apartment with them both, where Lewis creepily touched Harrison. Instead, we got new character Oliver dating and killing new character Cassie, when we as viewers don't care about either of them. Lewis's brain surgeon would have been a slow build and a massive payoff. Not to mention, I think, the actor who played Lewis was a much better actor, or was at least given better dialogue. No one has spoken about it too much, but why didn't they get a better actor to play Oliver Saxon, the brain surgeon? In previous seasons, they brought in names like John Lithgow, Julia Stiles, Colin Hanks, Ray Stevenson, etc., why did the show, or Showtime, short itself, short, short itself in the final season when it mattered most? Oh, excuse me. Also, did we really need to see Dexter letting someone off his table again? We get it, he's in love and overkilling. But seriously, if he would have just made the right choice in that moment, his sister would be alive, and he would be off in paradise with his lady and his son. How could they pull the same inner monologue realisation repeat that we've heard a few times already and have Dexter let the biggest threat to himself and his family go? It's terrible writing and insulting to us, the audience. And come on, Deb dying from a blood clot off screen? Why not just have her be killed by the gunshot? They could have still left it as a cliffhanger from 8.11 and just real revealed she didn't make it at the beginning of 8.12, causing Dex to go crazy and trying to kill Saxon. Instead, we got the weird walk sister's corpse out of the hospital and his last kill was a mercy kill and as the audience were just supposed to overlook this absurdity because there's a storm coming, I call bullshit. Another thing, how did Dexter seem to know that Saxon would only stab him in the shoulder with the pen? I get that he was baiting him and relying on the self-defence explanation but Oliver being the brain surgeon should probably know where the carotid artery is just as well as Dexter does. What is stabbing him in the shoulder going to accomplish? And shouldn't it have been kind of hard for Dexter to carry Deb all the way to his boat with that shoulder injury? You discussed it on the podcast, but the lack of attention to details like this is really what has ruined the last several seasons. They should show... They should... Sorry, I'll read that again. They should know and appreciate how smart and attentive their audience is and not dumb it down for anyone and just expect the audience not to look too deeply into things as Scott Buck mentioned in interviews. Yes, it's a TV show and sort of hyper-reality, of course, but still things like lack of continuity and carelessness in the details basically shit on the attentive viewer. An easily remedied example is Harrison not having any kind of stitches after his horrific treadmill accident, not even a band-aid. Another thing, could they really not figure out anything to do with Masuka's long-lost daughter? 
She could have been the one to let Dexter in to see Jack Saxon in jail. They could have had her become besties with Asta and hit the bong together. She could have smoked out with her dad, causing him to botch some evidence. And that might have been a great scene. Literally anything to make that storyline worthwhile would have been better than what we got. Scott Bucks said that they just wanted to give the viewer an idea of where the characters were going post-finale. Fuck that garbage. Make it part of the biggest story. That's why we're watching. Buck also said they didn't bother putting Hannah into disguise because no one would have been looking for her. But even but then, when Elway and Marshall Clayton were looking for her in the airport and on the bus, she still didn't do a single thing to hide herself, not even a fucking hat. Again, it's all in the details, and whatever happened to Elway's magic rejuvenation juice? Dead end. The jewels from El Sapo? Dead end. Miller making Sergeant instead of Quinn? Dead end. Why, writers, why? I could go on, but alas, I won't. What I take from this show as a whole is that it was a f- it was fun watching and actually made me look forward to Sunday night. So for that, I thank it and everyone involved. It just seems that the ball was dropped in the latter part of the series, with the final season suffering the most. Obviously, ratings were still good because people, fans, were still invested. We wanted it to be great. Perhaps Showtime is to blame for electing Scotty as the showrunner instead of just leaving him as an executive producer. Unfortunately, the buck didn't stop there. Gareth, this will probably be my last time writing in, so thank you sincerely for your efforts in putting together the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Your love for the show has shined through, and even though we may not all be satisfied with the ending, it's a fact that the ride was fun as hell. Cheers. Thanks very much, Adam. About El Sapo's jewels, I can't remember if I said this on the last podcast before Christmas. It's been that long, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself and this isn't an exclusive. (laughs) But Scott Reynolds told me on Twitter after I asked him directly about it. He said that El Sapo's jewels are hidden in Deb's apartment. So we can obviously infer from that that it was indeed Deb who killed him. The simplest explanation was the correct one. What do they call it? Occam's razor? It'll tarnish Deb's reputation, though, when they clear her beach house and find the jewels there. You made a number of points there, Adam. All of them quite valid. And I run the risk of repeating myself again if I respond to each one. And there's plenty of feedback still to come and more opportunities for me to repeat myself. So I'll just say thanks very much. You make yourself into a monster so you no longer bear responsibility for what you do. You don't think there are monsters in this world? You don't believe people are evil? You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I'll show you evil. Moving on to another email now, this time from Jason Reynolds, who says, At this point, I really don't care about the nitpick details like Harrison's missing wound, Dexter's magic lifeboat, Dexter's magic curtain rod spear, Dexter's computer superpowers, etc. They're still shitty writing, but they aren't what ruined the finale for me. What pisses me off is the unreliable narrative of the show. The writers often like to talk about how Dexter is an unreliable narrator in his voiceovers. I've come to realise that they're subconsciously talking about themselves. I'll use the constant comparisons between Dexter and Walter White to illustrate my point. When Vince Gilligan proposed Breaking Bad to AMC, he knew that the main narrative of the show was how Mr Chips evolved into Scarface. The show was focused entirely on Walt's journey and what was going on in his soul. It was never about adventures in drug manufacturing. The drug kingpin story was just a vehicle for moving this narrative forward. 
there was a clear beginning, middle and end. Every episode did something to change Walter. You need to watch every episode of every season to follow the story. There were no filler seasons. The story dictated when it would end. Dexter, on the other hand, was a traditional episodic television adaptation of a book based off the concept of a heroic serial killer. There was no single long-term story with a beginning, middle and an end. The focus was on keeping the show going for as long as possible. The stories they came up with were peripheral to that. We can try and say the point of the series was always about Dexter's evolution from monster to human being all we want, but if we're honest with ourselves, that is just bullshit. I'll be the first to admit I'm guilty of putting that it's always been all about Dexter's personal evolution glasses on. When I look back with the glasses off, however, I realise how much it was really just the continuing adventures of Dexter as he confronts each season's big bad with occasional pieces of character growth thrown in. They reset the playboard at the start of each season, which is why important things from previous seasons, like LaGuerta's death, were completely ignored the next season. That is also why most of the seasons are completely interchangeable. You could skip quite a few of the seasons completely and it wouldn't affect anything. There was no larger narrative. They didn't start creating an actual story with a beginning, middle and end until they knew the show was going. Once they knew that the show was going to end for reasons outside of their control, the writers started to focus on creating an end for a story that didn't actually have a beginning and middle already leading up to it. That is why the final seasons felt so disconnected from the previous feel of the show. While season 8 had a lot of throwbacks to previous seasons, they were just echoes of the past. They weren't trying to pay off storylines from previous seasons like Breaking Bad does. The one common thread throughout the series was Dexter the Hero. There was never a point where the writers made him unsympathetic or tried to alienate the audience from him, like what happened to Walter White. There was never a plan to show how Dexter's serial killing was bad. They went to great lengths to make the audience root for his kills as a form of true justice. Almost everybody Dexter killed deserved it, and he saved more lives than he ended. He made some mistakes that ended up killing those around him, but he never intentionally sacrificed an innocent for his own good. Dex was willing to turn himself in, rather than kill Dokes in Season 2. When Deb found Dexter and LaGuerta in the shipping container, Dexter was willing to die in LaGuerta's place. Despite being a serial killer, Dexter was never a villain. If he'd been a villain, he would have killed them in a heartbeat. Dexter didn't choose to be a serial killer. His mother's death was responsible for that. He didn't choose to become a killer of other killers. Harry and Dr. Vogel were responsible for that. The only thing he chose for himself was trying to break out of the serial killer mould the world was trying to force him into and become human. In comparison to Walter White... So I'll read that again. In comparison, Walter White made a conscious choice to engage in illegal activity. He helped no one but himself. He sacrificed more innocent lives than we can count for his own personal good. He did attempt to save a few people at times, but more often than not, he was only concerned with protecting himself. Walt was reaping what he sowed. So, with all of that in mind, why did Dexter need to be punished in the end? The writers kept saying that he was a serial killer, so how could it not end badly? But through the course of the show, they went out of their way to make him a hero who also happened to be a serial killer. Deb didn't die because Dexter was choosing to be a serial killer. Deb died because Dexter was not being a serial killer and was attempting to do what society said was the right thing. If he'd continued to be a serial killer, he would have killed Saxon and everyone else would have had a happy ending. So Dexter should be punished because he was a serial killer was actually punished for not being a serial killer. 
And why all of that crap about how straddling both worlds would lead to ruin, only to have ruin actually occur because he stopped straddling both worlds? Do they actually have any idea what they're trying to say? So, again, he needs to be punished because serial killers are bad, but he's being punished for not being a serial killer. Mixed messages. The writer's biggest fuck you to the audience was that I need to exile myself from my loved ones because I'm a threat to them for being a serial killer, even though I stopped being a serial killer and I'm now only a threat to trees. Bullshit. If they had to exile him, at least do it because he feels guilty over his past or because he's decided to resume serial killing. None of this I'm a threat but I'm not bullshit. Since they've always portrayed Dexter as a hero for being a serial killer, why get morally judgmental on his serial killing now? If they're going to have the balls to justify Dexter's serial killing, why not have the extra testicles to give him a happy ending? Nobody was expecting that. Since every season is interchangeable, why even worry about an ending at all for that matter? In the end, the season 8 was a porno, and we were the ones getting fucked. I hope this would be a lot more concise, but it ended up being rambly. Thanks again for a great show, Gareth. P.S. Don't forget to mention the new series coming out starring Jennifer Carpenter and Breaking Bad's Aaron Paul. It will be called Fuckin' Bitch. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Gave me a little giggle at the end there the first time I read that. You actually present a terrific argument there. Some fantastic points that stop to make me think about my interpretation of the ending. They are all just opinions at the end of the day, but you present a very good argument that really does suggest the happy ending in Argentina would have been the ballsier one. I've always watched the show wearing my This Is About Dexter's Personal Journey glasses on, and I've made mention of this fact multiple times on the podcast that it's about Dexter's personal journey, and that's what I was invested in. And it sounds like this happened to you. This standpoint became less solid as the seasons went on, didn't it? I think you can watch the first four, perhaps even five seasons, and still support this personal journey theme. But when season six came, and he'd learnt little or nothing from what had gone before, this position becomes weaker. And I think that's been pointed out by other contributors on the podcast. We know the show spun its wheels for at least two years, while they had to concoct storylines to keep it going. But during that time, so did Dexter as a character. That's why some of you were asking, what has Dexter actually learned? Does he take nothing from his mistakes? The show suffered for those years, no doubt, and except for the odd flash of genuine drama between Dex and Deb primarily, the show was never the same again. Thanks again, Jason. Moving on to another email, this time from first-time contributor Beth Beauvert, who enjoyed season eight. She says, granted it wasn't how I wanted Dexter to end, I also wanted Dexter to be found out by my, my <laughs> by Miami Metro and to have Batista, Quinn and Masuka finally discover the truth. I also wanted Dokes to be vindicated. Yeah, I did too, actually. She says, I also wanted Dokes... Sorry, I'm reading the same line again. <laughs> she also says, but as I watched each episode this season and saw what they did, I would turn off my TV excited with what I'd just seen. I would then listen to your podcast each week and you and your listeners would point out so many things I never even considered. It didn't change my opinion or make me like it any less, but it would make me stop and think over the issues everyone found, which I loved. I did really enjoy hearing everyone's opinion, but being a long-time Dexter fan myself, I felt bad for the others who weren't enjoying it. So, my feedback for the finale episode. I started the episode hopeful that Deb would survive, but I had a feeling she wouldn't. I love the scene between Deb and Quinn in the ambulance, as it just reminded me how much I love them together. 
If there was anyone Deb could be with that she would have been able to tell the truth to about Dexter and LaGuerta, it would have been him. Some of my favourite parts, my other favourite parts, I really enjoyed the flashback scenes to Deb and Dexter before she knew the truth. I love the distraction Saxon used with the vet and how, how Dexter saw through it. I thought Dexter was going to take him out right there, but loved that Batista got him. Another scene I loved was Dexter going to the cell to kill Saxton. That whole exchange was badass, especially with Dexter telling him how he was going to kill him, then doing it. All in front of the camera. The interchange with Quinn and Batista and Dexter watching the video was great. The end itself, with Dexter taking Deb off life support and dumping her off his boat, was so heartbreaking. I understand what they were trying to do, to have Dexter have to make the decision to end her life and showing her as being his last victim. But it does take away from her getting an appropriate funeral with all of Miami Metro attending, which I thought she deserved. I can't say I'm happy with Dexter exiling himself away from everyone, but I'm happy that they didn't kill him off. I also wish Harrison had gone to live with his siblings and not Hannah. Overall, I really enjoy Dexter and will greatly miss it. Thanks, Beth. It is important to bear in mind that not everyone was down on season 8. It's great that it was effective for so many of you. Remember the video I posted on the Facebook page? I, I don't know how many people saw that. There was a video uh, of, of a girl sobbing her heart out, absolutely bawling her eyes out, filming herself on her camera phone, watching the finale for the first time. You can cynically say, and, and one or two of you did, that she rigged it because she hoped it would go viral and, and there was some derision at her outpouring of emotion, at something that was so... Uh, ineffective to, to many others but you know this just highlights the difference of opinion and who are we to judge someone who enjoyed it against somebody who didn't so yeah you can cynically say she rigged it but for me I loved that someone had such an emotional and visceral reaction to the ending I envy them actually I really hoped that I would have a major emotional response having been invested in this show for 8 years I was really hoping for a thundering gut punch that would have me absolutely reeling and you know I, I wanted to have an outpouring I wanted to be I wanted to cry at the end I wanted to be I wanted to be gutted and to be thinking about it for days I mean I, I was gutted at the end of season four and I was thinking about that for days and, and when I sit and think about as I've said on the podcast before I still think about what happened there and the impact and that image of Harrison and it still haunts me, it still moves me now to think about it and I can't re-watch that scene without being affected and I really wanted something along those lines for the for the final season and yes, as I discussed last time, there were certain elements, certain outside factors that I won't um, uh, mention again now but uh, if you listen to the last podcast you know what that is that that really did do damage to, to my experience and um, you know I can't I can't get that back and, and I'll always regret that but I, you know I I hoped yeah I hoped that I would have a major emotional response I was moved by the scene when Dex turned off the life support I, I did choke up a little but that was it really I I felt that when Deb, when uh, Dex was dropping Deb into the sea at the end, I, I felt that I should have, I knew inside that I should have felt more at that. 
uh, Dexter's eyes tearing up. You know, that was a massive moment for the character. We've never seen him do that before, ever. That that should have really, you know, taken, pulled the rug out from under my feet. And <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying, but it just didn't. And and that's just me. That that's just my experience. Um, but for somebody else to have quite the opposite and completely blow, been blown away by it, I envy them, and I wish I'd had that sort of response. Um, and I'll always regret that I didn't. But I'm really glad you enjoyed it, Beth, and thanks for writing in. Okay, Whew. <laughs> getting emotional myself there at uh, you know re remembering uh, <laughs> my my sort of live experience uh, of watching the finale. Matt in Dublin writes, "I wanted to give the finale a second watch before submitting my last ever piece of new Dexter feedback." I'll be keeping up with the rewatches too, of course. Really enjoyed and appreciated the marathon podcast. Three hours flew by. First of all, the ending itself. I, like you, Gareth, do like the fact that he's still out there. While Scott Reynolds claimed on Twitter that Dex tortured himself by living with chainsaw noise for the rest of his days, this wasn't made obvious in the scene. The lack of music and the camera stare, however, were very nice touches and, I really, and it really created the tragic atmosphere I'm sure the writers would have wanted. A possible spin-off could come in the form of an older Harrison who's told by his mother on her deathbed that his father may still be out there. I'm not too big on the nitpicking stuff. After all, isn't the show in itself an unrealistic concept? Although I do admit that even a simple emergency exit would have been a better means of carrying Deb from the hospital. Overall, I was happy with the final episode and definitely sad to see the end of Dexter. Many a tear was shed in the I love you Deb scene. It's probably the best ending we could have had in the circumstances, being that the writers decided to make the final season about a character journey rather than a wild goose chase. The season as a whole was admittedly a slight letdown, but maybe because our expectations had been set so high. The first act of the season I thought was excellent. Then the middle was a bit lacking in tension. Yep, definitely agree with you there, Matt. He goes on to say, This pattern is usual for a season of Dexter, is it not? It was the penultimate episodes that let me down the most. Time was wasted on Nicky Masuka and Zach Hamilton, which could have been spent on establishing Saxon in the same way Trinity was, or trying to make Hannah more likeable in a more subtle way. Vogel began as one of the most intriguing characters we've had before tailing off and becoming weak and vulnerable. Bits of writing were disjointed and a bit pointless. I'm sure even Travis would have preferred a few scenes with Astor and Cody to the race to the sergeant scenes. Why did they write it so as to make it unclear who shot El Sapo, and so very clear that Yates wasn't the brain surgeon? But I am generally satisfied with the season, and the early scenes between Vogel and Dexter were very good, and I love the Deb versus Dex scenes at the start of the season. Of course, I would have preferred Quinn and Batista to be on Dexter's trail, but the writers chose not to go there, and I'm okay with it. Finally, the series as a whole. I know people harp on about Breaking Bad, and I do, of course, love it myself. But I don't think I could ever care about any character on Sombra as on Dexter. Every season, be it the renowned season 4 and Trinity to the frowned upon seasons 3 and 6, has been compelling to watch. I've always been of the view that all of the seasons were brilliant, only bad in relative terms to each other. The score is fantastic. My personal favourite is the Kids Leave track from season 5. Really captures the sadness of the transition, not in quality, between the Rita years and the rest. I think, as someone has mentioned several times, and I'm really sorry that I can't remember his name, 
The show would have benefited, being only five or maybe six seasons long. Then we could have had five outstanding seasons rather than four outstanding seasons. One, two, four and seven. Only two decent seasons, five and eight, and two only alright seasons, three and six. But I will always carry Dexter in my heart. It's definitely a show I will revisit and love for years to come. I refuse to let an underwhelming four or five episodes towards the end tarnish my overall opinion of the other 92. In the words of the underused Angel Batista, to Dexter. Cheers, Gareth. Hope the effort you put into the show granted you as much satisfaction. Thanks, Matt. A nice reasoned email there. We've got some strong opinions out there, but it's nice to have a softer one to keep the balance. And I appreciate that. Hello, Gareth, and hello, Dexter fans. This is Jeremiah Panhorse, the host of the Mad Men podcast, coming to you from the St. Louis, Missouri area. Well, Gareth, first I want to start off with my feedback by letting you know how much I really appreciate your podcast. I had found it towards the end of Season 6, and I immediately started wishing I had found your podcast much sooner. Uh, you do an, an amazing job with your podcast, not only with the way that you break down each episode, but just the charming nature that you do it. Your wonderful British accent, of course, which I love everyone with a British accent. But just the way you take us into your mobile uh, studio and somewhere in, in England, and it just, it just brings me right there or makes me feel like I'm there. And I just wanted to let you know I really appreciate all the hard work you have done for all of us Dexter fans over the years, and I just can't state that enough. And as a podcaster, I understand how much hard work it takes to do that. And I just want you to know it was not done unnoticed. So let me go ahead and give a few comments about Dexter as the final season, the finale, and Dexter overall. First of all, despite how I may feel about the finale or the last season of Dexter, Dexter to me will always go down as one of those shows that was will definitely be always one of my favorite shows of all time. It was a very unique concept. Uh, one of those sto stories that made you root for the guy who really you probably shouldn't be rooting for, basically rooting for the bad guy. And I always loved that about uh, Dexter. I I'm the kind of guy who always kind of secretly would root for the bad guy anyway. So rooting for Dexter was very, very, very exciting for me, and I really am going to miss the show overall. I mean, I definitely think the body of work in the first four episodes, or first four seasons, like most fans, was definitely the best. But... I will say that still, even those seasons that I did enjoy quite as much were still very entertaining for me. And really, if you think about it, when it comes to television, that's what we want in the end, to be entertained in some way or another. And I think Dexter definitely did that for us. Now, it's no surprise, I am just like, unfortunately, most fans was not quite as thrilled with the final season as I would like to. If the final season, if this season was not the final season, it was a, just another season, I probably would say it was a pretty darn good season. I think, like most fans, I was just expecting for a lot more intensity in every episode, and we did not get that. But overall, the season itself wasn't too, too bad. But I will say, I do fall in the camp of saying that that finale was not very good whatsoever. Uh, obviously, for all the things that everybody's already mentioned that I couldn't really add anything else to, I had, of course, the same feelings. Um, you know, I just think that we'll be able to, you know, wonder if whether or not the finale is going to ruin it for people. I just really hope it doesn't. For me, I'm not going to let it ruin it for me. So Dexter's a lumberjack living in the middle of New England or whatever it is. Uh, that's fine. Uh, you know, sure, I wish it would have ended a little bit differently. I'm actually... 
honestly okay with him being by himself. That makes kind of sense in some way. I just didn't like the direction how they got him to that point. But overall, like I said, I enjoyed Dexter so much, and it will go down as one of those great, great, uh, great, great shows that I will remember forever and probably own most of the seasons and so on and so forth. So I'm going to go ahead and close off by saying, uh, Gareth, I look forward to your other adventures in podcasting. I can't wait to see what else you do down the road. Obviously, I will be subscribing to Gareth's Waste of Time, staying subscribed to that, and see what you do down the road. So that is it for me. Everyone take care. And again, thank you so much, Gareth, for all your hard work. Thanks for your kind words there, Jeremiah. I should check out your Mad Men podcast. That's a show I got into only a year or so ago and marathoned. I'm looking forward to the final season coming soon and we'll definitely check out your show to run alongside. We've got our first Egyptian emailer. Deb in Cairo writes to say, Thank you for all your hard work. I think your podcast is absolutely brilliant. I said as much in my iTunes review. I've always wanted to write or call into the show, but I've always been a couple of steps behind as I've only started watching the show a few months ago. I'm racing through the episodes, but still just started season 8. I really hope to get my chance on the season 3 rewatch. In the meantime, I have a few suggestions or requests for you. When you record the season 8 wrap-up show, I'd love it if you put together a retrospective of Masuka's jokes. He provided great comic relief, and it would be fun to relive some of his funniest moments. I'd also love to hear a compilation of Deb's most imaginative and inventive curses. She is truly a Jedi Master of the F-bomb. My personal favourite is Holy Fillet of Fuck. I still laugh just thinking of that one. I'd also like to tell Travis how much I've enjoyed his appearances. The day he hosted the show in your absence was brilliant. When he related how he was so angry about the previous episode that he yelled at his dog, I almost fell off the treadmill laughing. Can you replay that soundbite, maybe? <laughs> Thanks, Deb. Travis will be listening, so on his behalf, thanks from him too. Like me, he's a humble guy, but I know he'll appreciate your feedback. Your Deb quote there made me laugh out loud as I was preparing the podcast. With regard to your suggestions, um, good suggestions. It would be nice to have a compilation of, of Masuka's best one-liners and uh, and Deb's choicest F-bombs. Um it would be a lot of work to go back through and compile, though. And I, I uh, well, as you know, by the frequency of, of these podcasts, <laughs> um, I just don't have the time uh, as much as I'd love to. Uh, but if anyone out there wants to uh, do something like that, that would be fantastic. And I would certainly um, uh, put that on the podcast and uh, maybe even do a special podcast just for that. From one Deb to another. Hi Gareth, this is Debbie calling in from Lancaster. I've been listening to your podcast for a long time but this is the first time that I've ever rung in or made any sort of contribution and I'm doing it now because I am going to defend Dexter. I think all this negative criticism that it's been getting has just really paid me off to be quite honest. I don't understand why people are still watching it if they hate it so much. Um, all I keep hearing is, oh, it peaked at four and then five, six, seven and eight were crap. So I don't really know why people kept watching it. And also, I think a lot of the negative comments are because it's up against Breaking Bad. Um, I'm a big Breaking Bad fan and I do think this final series of Breaking Bad has been better than the final series of Dexter. However, I do think if you compare the first four Breaking Bads to the first four Dexter, that Dexter is the better show. 
Um, so anyway, that's my thoughts on that. With regards to this final series, um, yeah, I have been a bit disappointed with it, to be quite honest. It's not been the series that I perhaps hoped for. Um, I think for me, the biggest disappointment was not so much the story that they told, but all the new characters that they brought in. I just wish they'd have given Quinn and Batista and Masuka bigger roles this time because they were strong enough characters to carry it through to the end. Um, and I do think that was a shame. But I certainly didn't hate it like everybody else seems to have done. I did enjoy it. There's certainly moments in it that were that were good. Um, the finale, that episode, I really, really did enjoy it. I thought some of the scenes in it were, were brilliant. I loved the scene with Dexter and Saxon in the in the prison or whatever it was. Um, I think Saxon, he's always looked quite intimidating and quite threatening, but in that scene, he just didn't look any match for Dex, I don't think. And I loved it when he killed him. I thought it was brilliant and I was screaming at the TV. And I loved the scene immediately after it with when they were all watching it in, in the room, um, especially Quinn's face. It was just, yeah, I really, really did enjoy that scene. And then the the Deb scene in the hospital, um, yeah, brought my heart, to be quite honest with you. I thought it was really, really sad. Um, I think the flashbacks, I think when it showed the first flashback, I think at that point Deb was still okay and when it showed the flashback of her and Dex when Harrison was born I think I knew then that she was going to die I, I don't know why I just got that feeling um, and I think the lump started in the throat then and then um, obviously that scene where he turned off the life support and, and said all that to her I just thought it was heartbreaking I really really did um, and I think no matter what people have said about Dexter, I think Michael C. Hall has always been absolutely brilliant. But in that scene, his face, he didn't even have to say anything. It was just, yeah, I thought it was the best bit of acting that I've ever seen. I thought it was brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I did really enjoy that, despite all the tears. And I do think, I'm the other half is going to roll his eyes up at me here now, but for me, I always thought if Deb was going to die that Dex should die with her, sort of clinging to each other like they did in life, that they should have gone together in death. And I thought that was how it was going to go on that boat when he drove into the storm. And I thought, oh, well, that is probably the ending that I would have had knowing how it was going. Um, I don't really know about the lumberjack scene. I'm, I, I've watched it twice now and I'm still not that sure. I kind of get it. I, I do get that. Well, I saw it that he had kind of chosen to put himself in his own little prison sort of thing. The coppers didn't catch him. He put himself in his own prison, just sort of living on his own with no contact with the people that he loved. I, I, I hadn't got about the chainsaws that he'd surrounded himself by chainsaws, although that does make sense to me now, I guess. Um I think I'd wish they'd left it when he just rode into the storm and just left it at that. But anyway, so yeah, I did really, really enjoy that episode. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I do hope now with all this negative press or comments or whatever it's been having that 
people aren't just, especially someone like you, Gareth, who's put so much time and effort into Dexter, that I hope you're not just going to write it off now as, oh, it was shit, and, and forget about how brilliant it was at times. I do think some of the episodes and the series have been the best that we've ever seen on TV. Um, I certainly think so anyway, and I really do hope that people will still remember it for, for what it was if they didn't enjoy how it ended. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much me, really. I know I am waffling and probably rushing this. It's probably because I've never done anything like this before, but I just wanted to ring in just because I have loved this show so much and I really will miss it. I think it's been brilliant. So, yeah, that's it. Um, I shall listen to your podcast, Gareth. I know I think you mentioned people um, emailing their five favourite moments from the whole show and I will definitely contribute to that um I think picking just five will be quite hard because there have been some brilliant brilliant scenes I mean for me my favorite series was series two I absolutely loved that series I think I, I loved the dogs and Dexter dynamics if that's what you can call it um so yeah anyway Keep up the good work, Gareth, and no doubt you will hear from me again soon. Thank you. Bye. Interesting point of view there about the first four episodes of Breaking Bad compared to the first four of Dexter. For me, season one of Dexter is a fantastic season of television and stands up against the best of them. This show really did enjoy some great times, and I'll always be grateful for that. You have a little bit of a poke at the show's harsher critics, wondering why they're still watching. There have certainly been some who've jumped off the Dexter train before season 8. We had one who said goodbye to Dexter through an email to this very podcast. I think I speak for the majority, though, when I suggest that the strongest critics kept watching because, firstly, so much time had already been invested that they were going to stay to the end no matter what. But I also think that many hoped that, despite the slip-ups, that the show would go out with something great. There'd be a great finale. But don't worry about me, Deb. I've definitely definitely not written off the show as a pile of crap. It has had its brilliant times, and even though in the end the final season disappointed me, I still look back on the show with great fondness, and I don't regret podcasting about it, not for a minute. Thanks for your voicemail. Deb, look at yourself. You're lost. I am not lost. <laughs> I know exactly where I am, and I am in some shitty fucking hell, which is exactly what I deserve. You! You! Are lost. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. We move on to an email from someone we've not heard from in quite a while. That's Abe in Mexico, who says, I think I have it figured out. Dexter, the series was the fantasy of a lonely lumberjack all along. Yeah, that must be it. Either that, or he was mystically cursed. I refrained from sending in feedback for the past few seasons because I had precious little good to say. I didn't want to be the equivalent of the Simpsons comic book guy, but I suppose it's fair to do so now. Remember when they said there would be not one, but two more seasons? I said this worried me because it was, a clear, because it was clear they had money in mind, not storytelling. Guess I was right. Dexter turned into a zombie show. It was already past its prime, slowly decaying. You could still tell what it looked like before, but the soul was no longer there. So, 
we ended up with a final season where we got introduced to a big bad that wasn't all that big, a spiritual mother that somehow became terribly important to Dexter despite the fact that he supposedly hated her for treating him like a, treating him like a lab rat. To sum up what I didn't like about the show finale, it had everything I didn't appreciate in the final seasons, especially the convenient plot points and developments. And then I didn't feel like Deb needed to die. Or that Dexter was doing Hannah and Harrison any favours, for that matter. Basically very little of that made sense to me. Anyway, Gareth, as always, thank you for maintaining the quality of the show on your end. You never failed to deliver, even when the quality of the source material began its slow decline. Thanks, Abe. There's a massive spectrum of opinions, isn't there? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sort of, that fact is beating us over the head with a baseball bat. It's so clear, and of course, it's not for me to judge. Who are we to judge each other? Personally, I understand your grievances. I share in some of your disappointments, and I share in, in a lot of your complaints. I don't think Dexter did Hannah and Harrison any favours, doing what he did. Like I talked about, I can sort of see why he did it what his thought process was. But it doesn't mean I think it was the right call. Next, an email from Mike Jatton, if I've pronounced your surname right. And I've just lost my place. Where are we? There we go. There you are, Mike. <laughs> he says, I just wanted to say thank you for all the fantastic work you've done on your Dexter podcast. I can't tell you how entertaining it's been to listen to you and your roundtable comrades analysing the emotional roller coaster that has been the show Dexter. I feel like we were all on the writer's kill table and managed to survive with our brains intact. As far as the finale and my reaction, I can only quote some of season 5 villain Jordan Chase's last words to Dexter. Wow, I look at these and I can't help but think you have a kind of greatness in you. And I look at you and you're no different than the idiots who show up at my seminars. Totally lost. I think those lines sum up the way the whole series ended. Dexter really was a bigger-than-life, tragic superhero, and that's why I loved the character in the show. He was epic in his moments of glory, and equally epic in his mistakes and failures. I think what hurt most in those final moments of the finale was realising that Dexter had indeed been brought down, but not by some big bad or top cop. He was felled instead by weak writers whose creativity was too feeble to realise the potential of the character in the show. I hate saying that, and I wouldn't if I sensed they'd tried harder and were being more contrite about it. But don't get that feeling at all. I would have rather seen Dexter and Hannah on a beach in Argentina, and robo-dokes rising out of the water and saying, Surprise, motherfucker, than an ending with Lumberdex. Anyway, Gareth, I just wanted to thank you again for really making me laugh and think at the same time with all your podcasts. You actually made me look forward to watching Dexter each week even more because I knew I'd get to hear the reactions of you and your podcast crew afterwards. I will always remember Travis's rant after the infamous Hannah kill table scene. That was truly priceless. Dexter was a great show, but you guys made an even greater podcast. Best of luck with everything in the future. Thanks very much, Mike. That's really kind of you. The Travis rant has gone down in dissecting Dexter history. I, uh, <laughs> on the back of some of your emails making mention of that particular moment, I did go back and, and re-listen to it. <laughs> and, uh, and it still made me chuckle, especially some of his little asides in the background as, as Heath and I were, were talking. <laughs> it seems appropriate to uh, repeat that moment now. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Is that serious shit? <laughs> Travis, let, let's come yes. to you. And, and 
What was your immediate reaction? All right, man. Okay. Well, my immediate reaction, Keep man. It clean. Uh, <laughs> oh, brother! No, it was like I didn't know. Like, okay, it's so hard for me to say anything because one, as I, I, I stated, maybe off this recording. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of gotten over it because it's been uh, three or so days. Uh, so, I mean, I'm kind of not esteemed as I was. It would have been a lot more interesting had we done it, like, immediately then, man, because I, I would have been uh, un, unnegotiable. Uh, but, man, I watched that shit, and that whole last scene, it, like, offended me. And I hate being so self-righteous about that, and I just really hate to do that. But, like, it's just because we all knew what was going down. We all called it since, like, summer. And it was just wasting our fucking time. Like, okay, really? We, do we expect Dexter's actually going to kill this girl right now? You know, we know she's going to be in it for at least the end of this season. Some people say that they've heard that she'll be here until next season. So the whole scene, I knew what the, we knew what the fuck was going to happen, man. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, and I had this like, feeling in this pit of my stomach, like, don't do it, brother. And then when he stuck the needle in her neck, I was just offended. Like, don't pretend. Do not pretend. Uh, so, like, after the episode aired, I was, like, pacing around my house, just, like, looking at my dog. Like, what are you looking at? Like, I was just, I was upset. Uh, and the reason I was upset, see, now dog, we have to, like, break it down. Like, why was I upset? And I know that a lot of people were upset by it. And people like Heath were ambivalent towards it, I guess. There's some people who love the shit out of it. And I don't think I'm upset because of uh, the, what, what is that called? The titillization of it or whatever, like. It was overtly sexy and whatnot. I don't think I'm upset by that. I've stated that Yvonne Strahovski is a beautiful woman. I'd love to see her naked at all times. Um, so I should be happy, right? But the thing is, this whole... I think what gets me upset and what makes me not look forward to the future, and tell me if this is crazy talk, is that like we, whether or not she becomes a genuine love interest or if Dexter comes to like regret this, like, oh, fuck, I should have done whatever... Uh, it's all shit we've done, we've seen before, and the whole the rest of the series, when, as far as Hannah's concerned, is going to be predicated on a mistake that Dexter's made before. I mean, has Dexter learned nothing from the past? I mean, he's befriended a serial killer before and not killed them when he had the chance, and that got his wife killed, and it also got his son kidnapped. Uh, he's interfered with police investigations and lied to Deb about it, and that always gets him in hot water with with the police department, as well as getting his wife killed and his son kidnapped. Um, in three different seasons, Dexter's decided, I can't have friends, I'm going to work alone. And then here he's doing it again. And it's, and it's. I think, what, Heath, when you were talking, you, you questioned, well, maybe this is character development. And it's not. This is the same shit he's been over three times. I'm not watching a show about some serial killer who's, like, trying to become a human, or maybe he's not. He's not learning anything. He... Uh, Okay, I'm not going to say the R word. I was going to call Dexter a retard, but I'm better than that. So, Dexter's a, a dumbass. He's a dumbass, and I don't like it. He's this just is fired up. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, I'm getting steamed. Uh, <laughs> wow. It was just like, what? Yeah, who? And then now this, I, I can't really. Uh, this is more <clears throat> an, of a what would be subjective, objective. I don't know. This is more of a personal thing for me. I don't expect anyone to be swayed by this. But on the kill table, that's like the mecca of Dexter. That's where all roads lead to, you know? And it's like, you this is the, a holy place, Dex. You can't bang a girl on a kill table. Ugh, and the way he just, like, he makes sex look so undignified. I've never wanted to, It felt like I was watching it with my mom, and she wasn't even in the room. Like, ugh, so uncomfortable. Like, he's all on top of her grunting and, like, 
Ugh, like, oh, Jax, brother. What do you, leave this to the professionals. Oh, you know. And it's just like, all right, cut. You know, he takes his shirt off, and we're like, all right, we know this is going. You can cut. No, it's all right. I don't need to, oh, fuck. And he, it's like he, we watch him, like, finish. Like, oh, what are you doing, dude? Like, it's just the worst. Oh, oh, man. Something awful about you, Morgan. I should have seen it before. The fake smile, the donuts. You don't even walk like a normal person. You collide like a fucking lizard on ice. It's all a fucking act. And I ain't mine. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. You are one creep, motherfucker. Um, I think it's required a uh, flexible imagination. I mean, we certainly are at a point at the end of the show that is well beyond or, or different than um, the world that I encountered when the show started. Hello, Gareth. No, I'm not in tears because of Dexter. I just caught a cold, so please excuse my voice. After watching the finale of Breaking Bad, I am no longer feeling like I should apologize for criticizing the final of Dexter. Where Dexter failed, Breaking Bad did everything right. What can be said in favor of Dexter? If the show had ended after season four, it could have played in the same league as Breaking Bad. They had the arc from monster to man almost completed by then. What followed after that were two mediocre seasons and two awful ones, six and eight. Taking the formula of former Dexter seasons, a big bad and some soul-searching, putting a few kill-room scenes and some sex, minus care for details and logic, and you get four years that made money for showtime, but certainly no honor. I will not even start to list the many tiny and big things that were done wrong in the finale. You all saw it, felt it, and we talked about it in the last podcast. But let me tell you this. I did not even flinch when Deborah died. And this is not because I'm a psychopath without feelings. During Breaking Bad's Ozymandias episode, I cried for 30 minutes before I got a hold on myself. No, the past season estranged Deborah from me in a way that I did not recognize her anymore. And having her die this way and off screen, you felt it too, right? And turning Dexter into Superman, how can anybody explain how he survived the hurricane? And I won't spare you my reaction to the final scene. no sweet talking the end it is crap they should not even bother to do a spin-off there is nothing left on the bones to pick they rode the money horse dexter to its death 
I blame the writers and the showrunner. Go hide in a corner and look at what you did. Look, or I'll cut your eyelids right off your face. Gareth, thank you for all the work you've put in during the season. It is much appreciated. I am sure you want to sing for us again. So, how about this song? I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night. I work all day. He's a lumberjack. He's okay. I sleep all night and he works all day. I cut down trees. I eat my lunch. I go to the lavatory. <laughs> On Wednesdays I go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. Thanks, Sandra. Another strong opinion that we got a taste of when you joined us on the finale roundtable podcast. What can I say? It seems like there was little to redeem the episode in your eyes. It's too bad. I feel at this point in the podcast that we're starting to get to saturation point with the negative reactions. But of course, we'll press on because there are plenty more of you who wanted to share your opinions. And of course, the fact that we have so many negative voices, outnumbering the positive or just the, the, uh, the tepid ones, it just illustrates the wider audience reaction that the majority really were down on it, judging by the comments from you guys, comments on forums, comments on Twitter, Facebook, places like that, and those of critics as well. Email time from Sandy in Ireland, who uh, I get the impression she was writing this as she watched the finale. It's a kind of a live email situation. Uh, she says, I love this episode. When Harrison whispered to Dex that he loved Hannah, this got me. The tears started and they were not going to end. Watching the sudden failing of Deb's character, I was thinking she really deserved better than this. Quinn's reaction in the interview room was great. He was like, uh-oh, Dexter isn't so innocent after all. But Scott Buck dropped the ball here. This should have come up after season five when Quinn was on to Dex. I thought Batista handled it well and was glad he asked Dexter what possessed him to do the, to do the GSR test. Into the last ten minutes, and I'm loving this. Dex in his kill clothes, I'm thinking it's all going to end with suicide. I left the whole walking out with Deb's body thing go. It was the last few scenes of the show. We know the writers take the easy way out. When Dexter was at Deb's side in the hospital, the tears started again. This unique relationship comes to a beautiful end. When Dexter rang Hannah to say goodbye to Harrison, I was in bits. Full-on floods of tears. I knew then that that was the last time he would be seeing him. Bawling. But then it irked me a bit, the way Dexter hung up the phone and threw it into the sea. It showed how cold and unfatherly Dexter was. I've mentioned before the phrase, Dexter the dodgy daddy. Yes, it's back. I did like how the writers have us, gave us the flashback where we saw the start of the dodgy daddy behaviour. We were shown a cold side to Dexter here. It was like he spent the whole time not embracing the fact he was a father. When we decided to start a family, we got the idea of collecting our favourite shows on Blu-ray and look forward to the day when we can watch it as a family and show that this was a top TV. This was the top TV at the time. Sadly, Dexter will no longer be in that category. And that saddens me to think about it, that so much time was put into a show that was left to go down the tube. Mr Buck, you're not too popular in our house. I, for one, like the Lumberjack ending. I like to think... Him giving up Harrison was the ultimate sign of love for him. A great ending to a very poor season. A great ending to a great show. Sandy, the blubbering mess. <laughs> Thanks, Sandy. It's really interesting 
how we're getting such different interpretations of Dexter's final decision. You liked it, as did others, while some thought the absolute opposite. Dexter the dodgy daddy, it was you who first coined the phrase, and it fitted for much of the time. I'm not sure we can accuse him of being unfatherly for chucking his phone, though. I don't think that was an unfatherly ge gesture. I think at that point he'd made his choice about disappearing, and losing his phone was part of that. Hey, Gareth, this is Sam from London here. Um, I'm calling you this week, because unfortunately I'm watching Dexter on the uh, UK showing date, so it's the week after, and it kind of made it even worse, because that meant I got to see the episode just the day before seeing the new Breaking Bad, and I know everyone's been going on about comparisons between the two and how Dexter just doesn't stand up, but uh, I won't press on on that. I just wanted to talk about how uh, they finished uh, the, the series of Dexter. Um, on the UK uh, television, when they do the next time on, and they were showing the preview for this episode, it made it look as if Dexter was going to be on this table and basically he was going to get killed the way he usually has killed others. And, I mean, I guess you'd assume who would have been the person who would have killed him. Um, of course, Dr. Vogel's son, he didn't do it. And I think when we were watching the episode and we got to the point where it, that didn't happen, um, I had this real feeling, because I was sure he was going to be on the table at the end of the episode, that they were going to pull off something very interesting something which somebody kind of suggested before about how Hannah McKay was playing the long game and that she would actually kill him in the end. And it would have been even greater thought as well that she's an Argentina. She wanted a son. She's got one. And she would have gotten Dex out the picture in Argentina. But, I mean, it would have been very shocking. But, I mean, once again, even that, where it wouldn't have made up for the series, but it would have gone a little way. But... Oh, I don't know, it's, it's difficult, because I've still been really enjoying the episodes week on week, but, I mean, what happened between... I mean, some shows never are as good as season one, but because it reached such heights, even up to season four, I just... I don't know what happened, I really don't, because you look at it, it's not just Breaking... Breaking Bad is a very good thing, and it's on at this time, but Justified, Homeland... I mean, Homeland's not been on as long, but they're... They just continue to do such good things, and I just, I'm just really devastated. Dexter hasn't, and you know, if it wasn't for how good Michael C. Howell and especially how good Jennifer Carpenter have been, just their acting has been brilliant. I mean, they're very worthy of winning an Emmy Award themselves for these last couple of seasons. So, I, I just wonder what it would have been like without their performances. But anyway, um, thanks for taking my call, and I look forward to your next podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. First time caller there, I think. You're absolutely right, mate, about the work of Hall, and particularly Jennifer Carpenter, who I'll say again, just got better year on year and definitely deserved some award recognition. One of the big two. But it just never happened. I, I don't know what more she could have done. I mean, it's not like the Emmys and Golden Globes never liked Dexter because the show has won awards in the past. So, I don't know. I guess voters went cool on it. Hello, Gary Romy here from uh, Florida again. Uh, I just wanted to comment on uh, the season finale. And um, <sighs> me, I, 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 with all my, my friends and everybody around here in this area, uh, everybody shared the negativity about the season. And me, myself, you know, hey, this has not been the best 
uh, Dexter season there's that you know that's been out there and probably you know arguably one of the ones that um, may be considered one of the worst and I think most in most part is mainly because of the uh, just of the fact that um, we had so much expectations for it so uh, I think that has one thing to do with it I think if this would have been just a normal uh, Dexter season we would have obviously found the flaws that are there and the the plots that were unfinished and, and it, it might have been just a little bit more um, forgiving I guess you could say but I I do understand that I think that I was one of the ones with all the people um, trying to keep it as positive as possible and trying to keep it in a way where, uh, you know, we're, we got to experience this show as as a story and that's a story that's being told, not something that we as the viewers expect to happen. Because, you know, if you think of one of the best seasons in in, in Dexter was season four and, and when you, when that last few um minutes when Dexter was walking in and finally found Rita being uh, murdered, um, I don't think anybody wanted Rita to be murdered. I don't think nobody expected that to happen. So, you know, sometimes what we want, um, you know, can be good for somebody and be bad for somebody else. There was a lot of people that were upset that Rita died, but it doesn't matter. That's not the story that was being told. This is the story that's being told. So, um, in retrospect to that, I think that the finale was pretty decent. Um, we, we kept it in a suspenseful way. I think, I think everybody that was watching it was, was still suspenseful. And there's not a lot of shows that do that to people. You don't sit there and watch a, an hour show and, and feel some suspense in your body. Like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Whether we're, happy at the end or disappointed at the end, the way that this show makes us feel is something that no other show can do. I mean, everybody's saying that Breaking Bad is doing this and on all cylinders and and what that I do agree of is that yes, Breaking Bad is doing it and they're 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 sprinting to the finish line. They're, the suspense that you feel are only in, in pieces in this last episode uh, you felt it throughout the whole episode, and it doesn't matter whether you agree or disagree with what's happening, but you actually feel it, and you're you're wanting something out of it, and that's something that this show gives us, no matter what the content is. So um, that's something that we we forgot, and that's something that really opened my eyes when I saw that montage at the beginning of the of this episode. You know, you it brings you way back, and you're like, wow, this this series gave us these crazy uh, suspenseful feelings that you think about when you're going to bed and you wake up at night the following day and you're like wow I can't believe that happened in the show it's crazy there's not many shows that do that to us so we need to you know look at it in a, in a different way and see okay yeah a, a slight disappointment in the way the show went but I still had some of those feelings of suspense and like oh what's gonna happen and i wanted to know what was gonna happen so uh that's just one little thing that um i saw was was pretty cool um but since we will everybody's on the boat of what i want or what we want i thought i'd give a little just a quick little 
cool ending that I thought would have been really, really nice. Um, the same thing would have happened with, you know, Deborah and, and all the, the, you know, the drama that happened with that. But the difference is, is that Dexter does end up going to Argentina. He does get there. And then it fades to black, um, with him being happy. And then we get the shortcut scene of Batista, uh, finding a small box in the office. It ended up being LaGuardia's old stuff. And he starts going through it. And then it finishes. Now that would have been pretty cool. But that's just me. A lot of people probably wouldn't have liked that because it was sort of, sort of a cliffhanger. But, you know, I thought that would have been pretty, pretty interesting, uh, ending and, just something, something like that. But anyways, <sighs> positivity, everybody. All right, y'all take it easy. And uh, I really love the season. I'm still continuing listening to the podcast, even though it's finished. Um, I still want to hear, you know, your rewatches and all that, because you know, I love the I love the show. All right, have a good one. Thanks for that. You know. Batista already had LaGuardia's stuff earlier in the season and we saw him going through it. At the time, I think we speculated that there'd still be all that evidence that led to her suspecting Dexter, not least that DVD with Deb buying fuel near the church. We wondered if he'd have a light bulb moment and start suspecting Dexter himself. Of course, it never happened and it was another thing that could have led to some tension but was dropped in favour of something else something the writers preferred to explore. Email time, and Joe in Lexington wrote with this to say, Overall, I think the finale worked. We saw Dex's resourcefulness. Deb pays a karmic debt for the killing of LaGuerta, and ultimately sets up the confrontation between Daniel and Dexter. The goodbye between Dex and Deb felt right. I didn't have a problem with Dex turning off Deb's life support and walking out with her, that hospital was in complete chaos and Deb would have been at the lowest end of priority as a hopeless case. I will give the showrunners and writers some credit for not going for the obvious, Bay Harbour Butcher 3.0 season, even if there was some potential there for a tight season. It would have been expected and treaded ground that the show already focused on for two seasons. I didn't like the lumberjack angle. It wasn't remotely clear what they were going for. It could be a crushed Dexter paying his own karmic debt, but that final look to camera looks a lot more like the Dexter we've known and loved being gone completely and the dark passenger has taken his place. Thanks, Joe. Yes, it possibly did. But they have said that moment was deliberately ambiguous, leaving us to wonder if the darkness had returned or maybe it was just straightforward but total and complete and utter sadness. Personally, I'm still not comfortable with Dexter just walking out of the hospital carrying a dead body wrapped up in a sheet. Even if people were running around making preparations for uh, the hurricane's arrival. Um, Something like that, it's not exactly the norm, is it, to see someone walking out like that? Uh, Email from Alyssa McFadden who said, So I've had 24 hours to digest the finale episode and I still stand by my words. I really did like it. A lot of loose ends were tied up, for me anyways. I was always wondering how Dexter reacted to Harrison's birth. I'm glad they brought that back into the mix, even though it was very brief. I also knew that Dexter would never choose Hannah over Deb. I totally held on to that hope and was not let down in the finale. I also love the fact that we finally saw Dexter cry. 
I've been wanting to see that for eight years now. I thought it was so sad that Dexter gave up Harrison, but I'm glad he did, because it was the most unselfish thing he's done in a long time. That kid was doomed with Dexter, and maybe still doomed with Hannah raising him, but who else is going to do it? I liked how emotional the episode was, because we very rarely get that, especially this season. I loved how we got to see Miami Metro's reaction to Dexter killing somebody right in front of them. That was fantastic. Overall, they could have done a better ending, possibly, but I'm happy with this one. Thanks, Alyssa. I really like that scene with Dex, Batista and Quinn, too, looking at the CCTV footage. The different looks that were on their faces were priceless. Again, we see from your comments how interpretations and opinions vary so wildly about decisions that were made. Someone else thought Dexter's decision to cut himself off from Harrison was a totally selfish thing to do, to save himself from feeling guilty, although I honestly think guilt was only one of a multitude of emotions he was feeling. But one person thinks the decision was selfish, while another thinks it wasn't. All boils down to interpretation, really, and your own personal standpoint. Gabias Bluth emailed me with this. He says, In the end, Dexter could not fully awaken his higher-order thoughts. Dexter tried to awaken his humanity and higher conscious with love and spiritual guidance, only to be crushed under the weight of his own twisted human soul. If Scott Buck had or has any rhyme or reason for the disjointed final season and finale, he's staying stum. Please, Scott, throw us a bone. Season 8's story arc was somewhat undermined in the end. The writers just failed to fully commit. The archetype of a human monster as hero, too distorted as of late, went out with only a few small drops of blood. I, like most Dexter traditionalists, wanted an ending with messy blood splatter to an eerie Daniel-licked piano tune, not Cass Elliot. Dexter's animal nature was too overpowering. The rebirth that I had anticipated based on the story arc of season 8 was just not meant to be and fell flat on its head. Dexter's struggle to overcome his wretched condition was a failure. Yes, it was a fitting reveal concerning the ideology of do what thou wilt, with regards to the condition of man and humanity, it rings truer than some of the more misguided and naive occult beliefs that persist and pervade. Many claim to be humanist and appear, but sorry, I'll read that again. Many claim to be humanist, but appear much like anti-humanist based on their actions. We are left to assume that Dexter will remain a lonelier, very neat monster. That seems more realistic, but it could have unfolded with more intensity and more fluid drama and action. The final episode barely needed the first eleven. Most of us already understand that a battle over good and evil exists in, hum in humanity and in each of us. Yes, the journey we took with our favourite serial killer Dexter was very entertaining and it's a great show. Was there a slight jump the shark moment, maybe the death of Rita, that could have benefited from a more workable reset? Yes. Maybe the writing just needed to be tighter and more committed to one succinct ideology, especially for the main characters. Perhaps season five should have started with Dexter at the Lumberyard. Michael C. Hall is a top-notch actor. He went from David Fisher to Dexter Morgan with 100% authenticity and commitment. Jennifer Carpenter was Deborah Morgan, a beautiful character portrayal all round. The rest of the cast and many villains were outstanding. I own seasons 1 through 4 on DVD, and it's going to happen again and again, and I'm very content. 
A leopard can't change its spots. Why is that so hard for us to believe? I guess all that hopey, changey crap resonates in all this too often superficial world. Reality bites, and we need our great expectations, like we will need a character,、uh, like we will need a Dexter rerun now and again. Thanks, Tobias. You have a very unique take on the show there. I think there's scope for you to have had your own Dexter podcast, you know, with some of the very original thoughts you've sent in to us. In fact, through your interesting and well-prepared analysis, you've kept the cogs of my brain working throughout the season. It's definitely a popular feeling that the t- that the show took a very big downturn after season four and never recovered, despite the odd blip of goodness. Can a leopard change its spots? I don't think the show gives us an answer. It is left ambiguous. Although the inference is that whatever Dexter does, or whatever he tries to do, be it good or bad, he'll always end up hurting the ones he loves. Hence, at the end, there he just took himself out of Hannah and Harrison's equation. Hello, Gareth. It's Stephen here from Ormskirk.、Um, I've never called into your podcast before because I've always watched the FX showing in England. So you've already done the podcast by the time I've watched the episodes. But with it being the finale, I thought I'd send in a few more thoughts. I know you've already done the end of season podcast, but I'll thought I'll let you listen anyway.、Um, just I must have got completely wrong end of the stick because. You were all saying on the podcast that he faked his death and he was, you know, basically、um, punishing himself. I got, I thought he was driving the boat towards the、um, hurricane to kill himself, and basically it was a miracle that he survived. And in the episode, a bit. About half an hour before, maybe when he was in, when he just found out Deb was basically never going to wake up. He said he's never seen a miracle. I thought, basically, there we go. You've just had a miracle. It's either he's being punished,、um, and it's his punishment to live, or maybe he's being punished because he should have not give up on Deborah. Maybe she would have got come out of the coma or something like that. So, because there is miracles, something like that. Um, but overall, either way, whichever you look at it, I agree with your podcast completely, and it was just disappointing ending, disappointing last few seasons, to be honest. And in what it's sad, but I'm actually glad it's over after watching the last few seasons. Now I can move on to other things, which I didn't really want to say, but that's. That's the way I feel. So, thanks for your podcast, and、um, hope to hear you on another one soon. Thanks, babe. Thanks for taking the time to call in, Stephen. It's good to hear another first-time caller. Adam Leonard emailed to say, "I've just discovered the podcast this year, and so I've been enjoying it as a companion to this year's final season." My main thoughts about the finale: I'm not really sure how I feel about any of it. Dissatisfied. Somewhat, but not completely. It just feels incomplete. My biggest problem is that somehow Dexter decides he's a monster who only hurts those he cares about, which completely ignores his inner dialogue with Harry about the problem with trying to exist in both worlds. It was his trying to span both that caused Deb to die. 
He can feel guilty about it, but at some point he should have remembered that with the death of Daniel, his journey as a serial killer was complete, and his love for Hannah and Harrison would anchor him to his new life. If we're to believe that he now thinks of himself as an irredeemable monster again, then it makes no sense to go to Alaska or Canada or wherever he went. If he's a monster, then he feels the need to kill, so he needs to be somewhere that he can do that and not get caught. That's not what you're going to have up in a sparsely populated lumber camp. The ending would have been far more effective if they had aged Dexter 10 to 15 years. The broken man's stare was great, but put some age on him and it becomes far more compelling. You can imagine him coming home every day for 15 years, putting his keys down and sitting at that table, just waiting for time to pass in the land of eternal sunlight. Some other thoughts. Not sure about the way Deb's stroke was handled. On the one hand, it seemed very sudden and somehow poorly handled. On the other, if you watch the earlier scene with Deb going on about hiking, that might have actually been a symptom of what was happening. I'd really like to give her credit for that being the intent, but the writers did such a poor job with that whole part that it's hard to believe that they were planting a clue of what was happening in her brain. Who the hell killed Sapo and took the jewels? Seriously, that was never revealed. I had hoped it would turn out to be Joey, actually, acting as Deb's guardian angel, but with enough devil to keep the loot. Speaking of Joey, his scenes in the room with Deb were incredible. How can Desmond Harrington be capable of that strong a performance here, and then given such a horrible one in The Dark Knight Rises. Cop who orders the bridge blown up. Go back and watch it. He's horrible. Oh, one minor indulgence in If Only. I had really hoped that somehow it would turn out that Matthews knew all along that Dexter was a killer, but had figured out that he only went after those who deserved it, so let him be. In this approach, the character... In, sorry, in this approach, the episode might have ended with Matthews walking in on Dexter in a kill room, about to kill Daniel after Deb died. I didn't mind the character dying, so we can let the writers have that. Matthews coming in with his gun out, Daniel's tied down, looking relieved at seeing a cop. Matthews looks around and says something like, Ah, I see you've got this under control. Clean up when you're done, and leaves. The camera shifts back to Dexter's somewhat shocked face, and it can torts itself into a rueful smile as he turns around to complete the act and the screen fades to a slightly reddish black as we hear the knife hit and it pierced the table that Daniel's strapped to. OK, it doesn't really work because the series should not have gone out with a smile and with a question about Dexter's ultimate fate. Would he have ended up in the logging camp? Would anyone have ever thought it could happen if they hadn't shown it? But, whatever, the series really needed to show that at least one of the main characters besides Deborah knew, and Matthews was the logical character and the one who would most likely be willing to look the other way. I don't think Joey would. If Batista knew, it would mean that he should have figured out that Dexter was involved in LaGuerta's death, and he wouldn't look away about that. Masuka might, but if he knew, it would really be more of a comedy move, which was not appropriate for the finale. Thanks, Adam. We talked about El Sapo's murder earlier in the podcast and the Twitter reply I got from Scott Reynolds confirming Deb as the killer, which is a really interesting point and bloody significant for her character. It would have been good to have had it confirmed within the show earlier in the season so we could have discussed it, but now it just feels like a moot point. The notion that Matthews knew about Dexter has been brought up before and it's an interesting one, although... With his dealings with LaGuerta in Season 7, it was pretty clear that he'd known nothing. 
I like your idea that the lumberjack scene should have shown Dexter much older. It would have made it clear then that he'd been living in his self-imposed exile for a long time. As it is, it could have just been however long it had taken him to grow that beard. In the moment, I was thinking, Dex, what have you done to yourself? But if we'd seen him clearly 10 to 15 years older, it would have made the situation more tragic. Not just for Dexter, but thinking of Harrison, now well into his teens, growing up thinking his dad's dead. Hey there, Gareth. It's Chris from Georgia, calling in about Dexter, Season 8, Episode 12, Remember the Monsters, the series finale. I know we got to speak a little bit about this on the uh, live call-in show, which thank you for that. That was a wonderful experience, and I think a really enjoyable and unique episode of the podcast. Um... Obviously, there's been a lot of negativity floating around about this episode. I mean, I myself, uh, you know, I have my gripes with it, I think, you know, rightfully so. And I think most of the fan community has really kind of turned against not only uh, Remember the Monsters, but really the entire final season. And I have to say, you know, for a while there, the first couple of days after the episode, that was me. I had a lot of problems with it, you know, whether it's unresolved storylines, dropped characters, or just the ending in general. But I will say, I think some of my negativity stemmed from, I guess, just the sadness that the episode itself incurred. I mean, the death of Deb, and Dexter torturing himself. I mean, these are not happy thoughts, and, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of depressing for characters that we've come to know and love for all these years, and I think some of that uh, was transferred onto just the finale in general, at least for me personally. And I also think that we as a fan base, we're still too close to it. I mean, the finale happened less than a week ago. Uh, we don't really have the uh, the distance between us and it, I think, to make a more accurate call. I mean, we can, we can speak on how we feel in the moment, but uh, I'm thinking and hoping that opinions on the whole, will change as time passes. I know I myself have went back and watched previous seasons, some of which were also not very liked by the fans, and the benefit of hindsight has helped a lot, uh, in my opinion, of those seasons. It can't fix uh, the plot holes or, or small niggles, of course, but I think it uh, it helps you to not care about them as much, I guess, because you're not living it week to week and you know discussing it in between episodes and seasons, when you kind of come into it as a more fresh, objective observer. But more than that, I think in the past week, after spending, you know, countless hours on uh, online, really, just looking at fan responses and complaints and reviews and changes and funny gifts of uh, Dexter's a Lumberjack, I think, truthfully, I've come to except the finale and the final season. You know, I almost describe it as like the five stages of grief, or is it six? Six or five, I don't remember. Um, but either one, the final one is acceptance, and I think that's where I'm at. Not to necessarily say that I needed five or six stages to get through this, um, but I think I'm okay with it. You know, I, it, it was hard for the first couple of days, truthfully. But the more I kind of think about the final arc and where it wound up and where Dexter as a character wound up in his own personal hell, you know, the irony of the entire series being that, uh, 
you know, he wants to have emotions like other people. He wants to be accepted. And then when he finally gets the emotions, that's the thing that is his torture. It's a, a nice dramatic irony there. I think I'm okay with the season, Gareth. I think, you know, I, I think I kind of like it. I mean, there's problems. I mean, I, I, like you, had problems with the way that the El Sapo storyline was handled and wrapped up, generally speaking. But I'm okay with the season. I'm okay with the final episode. I guess I'm I'm a Zen state now. I, I'm probably one of the few fans at this point that likes the final episode and can appreciate it for what it is. Do we perhaps wish that we'd have gotten a final season with more tension, a more season-esque Bay Harbor Butcher found out by everybody season? Sure, I mean, that's what we all wanted. It's what we all expected. But maybe that's, to some degree, part of the genius of the final season. Not that I would necessarily call it genius, but that it subverted our expectations. It didn't go the route that everyone kind of expected it to go. It decided to go on a completely different tangent that none of us could have or did call. Maybe that's what a, a good show's supposed to do. I mean, I don't start shows that I expect to know the ending of before they are over. Huh. I don't know. I, I think I'm okay with it. I think I like it. Uh, and I think giving it some time and coming back to it a couple months later as a, as a whole season... I think it'll probably improve in repeat viewings without the scrutiny of week to week. So I'm happy with it, I think. I'm, I'm content with the ending of Dexter. You know, should they want to come back and, and follow up on his character years down the line? Yeah, it might be okay. I wouldn't necessarily be against seeing our favorite uh, truck driver slash lumberjack perhaps trying to reconnect with his family, maybe going back to his ways. I don't know, but if this is the end of the series, if this is the end of Dexter... I'm okay with that, too. It is a, uh, it's a dark ending, but I think that's, if nothing else, that's what we all expected was a dark ending. And that's what we got. And, uh, yeah. I think I've accepted it, Gareth, and I think, I think I'm happy with it, uh, within the context. I mean, what, what is that old phrase, you know, give me the, uh, the, uh, what is it, the strength to accept the things I can't change? The finale's in the bag. We can, you know we as a general fan audience can complain about what we didn't get or just enjoy what we did get. And Dexter was a roller coaster ride for eight seasons. Sometimes we were on top, sometimes we were rolling down, and sometimes we were in the valleys. You know, I think everyone can make their own decisions as to where the, the peaks and the valleys of the series were, but uh, I'm happy with it. I, I don't feel like I wasted my time like some fans do, and, and I really enjoyed the character and the journey. And I'm glad I got to spend that much time with uh, a group of characters, a cast of characters, that I thoroughly enjoyed tuning into every week. And I also uh, enjoyed being able to experience fan input through this podcast. I, I want to thank you and take this moment to really thank you for, for the Dissecting Dexter podcast and the amount of fan input and feedback that you that you bring to the table. I mean, there are other Dexter podcasts out there, Two Guys Talking, which I heard about the uh, big collaboration thing coming up with you guys. I think that's going to be extremely fun for the fans. But I think your podcast is unique in the uh, ability to really bring together the voices of the fan base, and I really appreciate that, and I think a lot of other people do too. Uh, it's going to be sad to see it go, at least in its uh, new episode format. I know the rewatches will continue, and I'll I'll look forward to those as well. But it'll be sad that there's no more Dexter to dissect together anymore. At least not new Dexter. Uh, anyway, Gareth, 
I guess I'll, I'll just leave this on a positive note and say that uh, I think I've accepted the season. I think I've enjoyed the season, despite the fact that there were, you know, some lulls, I guess. But that's to be expected with anything. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed dissecting Dexter with you, and I, uh, I look forward to what uh, episodes lie in the future for dissecting Dexter. All right, man. Bye. Thanks, Chris. And thanks to what sounded like Blue Jays in the background. <laughs> you actually present a very composed and objective analysis. Interesting you talk about being too close to the finale. It's worth remembering that even though I'm recording this, this half of the feedback in March 2014, you all sent this feedback back in September 2013, fresh on the back of the finale. Emotions still raw, wounds still open. We've had a lot of strong feedback sent into the podcast. And I wonder if any of those particular people now, six, seven months later, look back with softer opinions. Time does heal all wounds, but my own feeling is that no amount of time will have me rooting for Hannah. I'm a Deb fan, and always will be, and Hannah crossed the line well and truly. So when I eventually re-watch the final season in its completeness someday... It may be that I'm more forgiving about certain things, but the relationship between Dexter and Hannah is something that will always disagree with me. Always give me bellyache. Their attraction in season seven I'm okay with, and I defended it at the time, but not their reconnecting in season eight, not after what Hannah did. The dramatic irony you talk about is key to how things turned out, Chris. The irony of Dexter being quite all right, while... He didn't have his emotions, but aspiring to be normal and human. But when he gets there, that's when he suffers the most. Not everyone appreciates the self-imposed exile as a conclusion to the series. But you can't argue that his situation does have an irony to it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't leave you like this. I'm your big brother. I love you, Dad. Hi Gareth, this is Mike Lenick, and I just wanted to uh, send in a little bit of feedback for your Season 8 uh, Finale Part 2 uh, podcast episode. I just want to give you a little bit of an update on my feelings towards uh, the fi finale of Dexter and Season 8 in general. And uh, basically, the way I look at it now is, while there isn't the, the white-hot anger that I had for the finale after I watched it, and which we touched upon in our uh, our podcast at the end of the uh, season, it still it still rankles quite a bit. the The finale, when I think about it, and I've actually gone back and watched the last few episodes just to see if maybe after some time I might have different feelings. And uh, it it felt like lemon juice on on a paper cut, really. Um, and, and I hated the fact that I hated it 
just as much as when I first watched it. So looking at it now, I, I kind of realize that I'm not going to have any feelings towards the finale and season eight in general that are going to be any more positive than the first time around. And hopefully, you know, some people out there might be able to find some kind of silver lining in the finale and in season eight, but I just don't see how I can do that. I think looking back, it's even more apparent now of what the, uh, the storyline should have been for season eight. And we did touch upon that. We did touch upon the fact that it should have revolved around Mizuka and Batista finding out the the fact that Dexter was the killer all along, that he was the Bay Harbor Butcher. And um, it, I, I still stick to the fact that season two while probably having the best storyline, I think, out of the entire series, it wouldn't have been a, a rehash or a retread over old an old uh, storyline. I think it, it should have been the harbinger of things to come for Dexter. And I just don't understand at this point still how the producers and the writers uh, just didn't didn't see that as a good thing. Now, it's possible that they did want to kill Dexter off and maybe Showtime said no because it's their golden ticket and they know they can possibly pull that out in the future, maybe get Michael C. Hall to come back for another season or, or a movie or something. But to me, if that's the case, then it's gutless because AMC didn't stop um, Walter White from being killed off. And that, I think, ultimately was the best, the best option for the writers. So, um, those are just my general thoughts. I hope that uh, I hope that you've been able to, to find some kind of inner peace with with the ending of Dexter, but I know I haven't. So, you know, to all the other people out there listening, you know, I just hope that you're able to find some inner peace with the series too. And uh, I hope to hear more of the Dexter podcast, Gareth in the future with the rest of your rewatch episodes. So uh, have a good day, everyone, and bye. Chris was going to be the last bit of feedback for the series, but in between me recording my responses and me recording my closing thoughts, I got that voicemail there from Mike Lanick, who you'll remember as a regular guest on our Roundtable discussion podcasts, and is also the host of the new podcast Hungry for Hannibal in which he analyses and dissects the NBC TV series Hannibal. I'm going to give him a good shout-out here, not just because he's been a great supporter of this podcast, but also because he's doing exactly what I did almost exactly four years ago to this very day, starting out podcasting about a TV show with no established listenership and not knowing if anyone's going to listen, Setting out in those early episodes, uh, finding your feet, finding your rhythm and style, finding your confidence that what you've got to say is of some value and interest to other people. And, And then you start getting some feedback coming in. That first email, that first voicemail, and you know that someone really is listening and and thought well enough to reply and take the time to call or write in. I know firsthand it's a great feeling and a real boost when you're starting out, so I can really empathise with Mike at this stage in his, his podcasting career.
Mike's done a few episodes already, starting out with a rewatch of the pilot before setting off on the task of podcasting each week as the current season of Hannibal airs. He's doing a really good job. Long-term dissecting Dexter listeners will know that Mike's a very intelligent and eloquent guy, and this comes across in his analysis of Hannibal, like it did on the podcast he appeared with me, uh, on Dissecting Dexter. If you're enjoying Hannibal and want a good companion to the show, much like I tried to produce for Dexter, then please go and seek out Hungry for Hannibal. It's on iTunes. There's a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Hungry for Hannibal, and Twitter, at Hungry for Hannibal, but in this case it's the number four, Hungry for Hannibal. Uh, Naturally, I wish Mike all the very best as his podcast inevitably develops and grows, and I'm sure you'll all join me in doing that. So, Mike, thanks for your voicemail. I'd been musing earlier in the podcast about the stronger critics of season eight and whether now a few months have passed, whether maybe your opinions have softened. It's good that you played fair with the show and rewatched the closing episodes to give it a chance. Unfortunately, of course, this didn't help soften your view. You, like me and so many of us, have been with the show since the beginning and we share the view that the show was never the same again once Clyde Phillips left. You likened the rewatch of the finale to pouring lemon juice into a paper cut. Uh, it's a nice analogy. <laughs> um, for me, it still stings too. It still stings for me. I did rewatch the finale again last week. Not least because I wanted to grab some sound bites for, the, for a finale sting. The one you just heard before Mike's voicemail, actually. Sad thing is I'm not going to be able to play it again now it's all done. Because it's not really appropriate to use on the rewatch podcasts for reasons of spoilers but my point is that on re-watching the finale several months down the line the same things still got my goats they still disappointed that said the hospital scene when dex turns off deb's life support honestly it got me again perhaps a bit more than the first time yep i have to admit it and maybe that fact will please those of you who genuinely enjoyed the finale I did. I I welled up a bit. I got wrapped up in the scene, which was really nicely done, and I think I, I did give the show some credit to that end in our finale podcast in September. Credit to the director, Steve Schill, for the scene, and especially Michael. There was no music, just the sound of the machine and Dexter's anguish. I got thinking in that moment about Dex and Deb's history together, their ups and downs, what Dexter had put her through over the years, things that led to her downfall, crossing the line, murdering, and not just once. Deb's downfall was tragic when we think back to that young, fresh, enthusiastic, um, ambitious girl from the first season. And here she is, life slipping away, because of the brother she practically idolised, certainly looked up to, and depended on totally in the absence of a father. I've always said that for me to really like a show, to get really invested, I need it to make me feel something. Just something. That, and I need to give a shit about at least one or two of the characters. So many TV shows I can just let wash over me, 
crap like the following, which I have at this moment got several weeks behind on, and frankly, I have no enthusiasm to catch up. I might just drop it. But shows like that, they just encourage apathy in me. I don't care for any of the one-dimensional characters and tired tropes and cliches. It's so trite. You know what I mean. Shows like that. I, I can take them or leave them. But Dexter always had the ability to make me feel. And right from the start, I was hooked by this character. This amazing character. Damaged person. I wanted to see what he did next. I was fascinated by his motivation, his his M.O., uh, his attempts at appearing normal by day and being a killer at night. His history, his psychological issues, and there was his sister, who seemed, in those first few scenes, foul-mouthed and annoying at the beginning, but thanks in no small part to Jennifer Carpenter's wonderful performance over the years, a performance that got better and better as the years went on. Very quickly, Deb, to me as a viewer, became like a little sister. And I'm sure you can all empathise with that. That uh, to us as viewers, she was like a little sister as well as to Dexter, and, and I've said it before, I'll say it again now, she became the heart and soul of the show. Personally, because of this, I was very moved by her downfall. The early tension between her and Dexter after LaGuerta's death was a definite highlight of season 8. It's such a shame they couldn't sustain that in some way. I mean, in those early episodes of the season, I was optimistic, I was intrigued, by Vogel as well, by her introduction and what that would mean and what we would learn about Dexter's past and how he came to be. How he came to be the person that um, we... Uh, the, the person that we met back in season one. I was optimistic, and I think most of us were, because those early episodes, they... Um, they set up this... this, this conflict between... Deb and Dex that in itself was, was tragic given where they'd come from and how far Deb had now fallen but the producers took their foot off the gas and the season slipped and never recovered for me despite the very occasional positive moment I know people have knocked it but I did enjoy the scene the sequence where Deb and Dexter are clearing out that house and Dexter performed that impaling with a curtain pole as improbable as that was, I really popped for it. <laughs> I really enjoyed that sequence. As silly as, as you can argue it was. The uh, uh, the curtain pull through the mattress. You know, it would have taken some strength, but... <laughs> I liked it at the time. And I still do. In the finale, I really enjoyed the scene with Dex, Quinn and Batista, watching the footage of Dexter killing Saxon. In my rewatch last week, I picked up something in this scene that I don't think I noticed before. When Quinn says something to the effect of, well, it was self-defence, obviously, he turns to Dexter. Quinn's head is in the foreground and out of focus, but you can definitely see him give a little nod, a little knowing nod to Dexter. They, they, their eyes meet. 
There's there's this nod. He knew Dexter set it up to avenge his sister, and Quinn got it. He's walked... Quinn, that is. He's he's walked most of the series in that grey area. And he's dabbled with, um, you know, crossing that line, and we've questioned... As uh, we questioned how corrupt he is or has been. So, to Quinn, he understood, and, and I think Batista did too. He slowly agrees, more hesitant because he's always had that stricter moral code, despite his own occasional transgressions. And as I've said, the hospital scene, the, the life support being turned off, Dexter's I love you, Deb, that was effective to me. We can debate about what sort of plot lines would have made for a more compelling final season. Clearly the writers thought what they gave us was compelling, or they wouldn't have written it. My own feeling, and that of many of you, is that they made a serious error in judgement and miscalculation of what the audience wanted. But we can't change it now. And you can argue that a season of tension with Miami PD being on Dexter's case... Um, as you suggest, Mike, uh, Batista and Masuka finding some evidence to suggest Dex is the Bay Harbour Butcher. Some have argued, and you can present a a very reasonable argument, that uh, that would have been retreading old ground, a rehash of storylines in previous seasons, and you could be right. But at the same time, they could have done it in a way that it felt fresh, and with the end of the series coming, the, the final finale, there would have been genuine jeopardy. I mean, when LaGuerta was on Dexter's case, we knew she wasn't about to put a bullet in him because we knew season eight was coming. So it took away a little bit of that jeopardy. And in the final episode where Deb shot, chose to shoot LaGuerta, even though Dexter was there with his hands in the air saying to Deb, you know, do what you've got to do, there was never any question that that he'd get killed. There may have been a hint that um, Deb might have shot him. But we never thought he was going to die, not for a second. But in this final season, all bets were off. And I think it would have set up a very different kind of tension for the season. So, although the season and the finale ultimately came out as a disappointment, it was not without its highlights, moments that made me feel those are the things I'll take away but sadly always tinged with disappointments and musings of what could have been looking back on the show as a whole I'll still look at it with great fondness and affection it really was a truly great show in those early days season one I still think personally is a pretty flawless season of TV It ranks up there with the very best of um, seasons of of TV shows that I've ever seen. Just start to finish, great stuff. Season 2 was really strong as well. I loved, loved the conflict with Dokes. That was just fantastic. Um, On rewatch, the stuff with Lila, in principle, on paper, was interesting. Uh... It was compelling. Um, The performance of Jamie Murray kind of took me out of it a little bit at times in season two. But for the character of Lila, 
I think she helped enhance the character as a, a almost slimy in, in her deliver the delivery of her lines and and the sort of I want to call it an oily smile. Do you know what I mean? Um, I know what I mean. <laughs> um, it. I don't think she's the greatest actress in the world. But I think her style of performance helped the character. Uh, but there were times when her lack of acting ability... Um, no, that's a bit harsh. Where her lesser acting ability, standing next to Michael C. Hall, um, just took me out of it a little bit. But as a season, it was still a strong season. Season 3 has had its fair share of um, critics. Following strong season 1 and nearly a strong season 2, season 3 was certainly the, um, the poorer relation of, of the, the trio. And I am about to embark on a rewatch of it, of course, and I am very interested to see how my opinion of season 3, now I've seen all 8 seasons how I will feel on rewatch this season ranks with the other seasons that aren't regarded as strong. I think the notion of Dexter having a friend was, well, it was a fresh one for the show, a friend in that sort of capacity. Um, Jimmy Smits was very strong in his portrayal, and that helped. And, of course, there was some jeopardy for Dexter at the end of the season, being, on, uh, being captured by the Skinner. And there was the shipper stuff, the relationship stuff with Rita, that was interesting to see that unfold. So I can't really say too much more about season three, just that I'm looking forward to uh, the rewatches of that. Um, so I hope you'll join me when, when we get round to that, <laughs> hopefully quite soon. Season four, of course, is uh, infamous. It broke me in two, <laughs> emotionally, at the end with Rita. That scene, and particularly the image of, of Harrison sitting on the floor in a pool of blood, mirroring perfectly how Dexter was found. It will always haunt me. And it still moves me when, when I really sit and think about it, and what that meant. It remains uh, one of the most significant can you hear the emotion in my voice now, just as it's coming back to me? My <laughs> I can feel it. That's how much it hit me. It was one of those times where as the credits rolled, I just sat there. I was sitting next to my wife, and we both just sat there in silence, um, contemplating what we just witnessed. It remains one of the most significant moments that I've ever seen on television. And probably in film as well, to be fair, in terms of impact on me. Then we come to, well, that was the end of season four. Season four as a whole will be renowned for, not just for that, but the wonderful chemistry between Hall and Lithgow. Um, one of my favourite ever episodes of any TV show was Hungry Man. Definitely up there in my probably top three episodes of Dexter. Um, Hungry Man was, was phenomenal. Uh, there was great tension throughout the season. Dexter researching Trinity was 
really interesting to watch through the season. And of course, one of his greatest mistakes that that came to bite him in the ass. Um, uh, and and what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> in in a way that um, he could never fully recover from. Although critics of seasons five, six, seven, eight could argue that did he learn nothing from the death of Rita? And you know, there's we've, as we've talked about, there's a very reasonable argument for that. That said, about season four, for me, um, I think it still has its weaker bits, um, but overall. A strong season and definitely ahead of um, season three. And overall, for its impact on the show as a whole, uh, above season two, I would think. Uh, seasons five and six generally are kind of on a par. Um, we had the relationship with Lumen in season five, where you could argue Dexter was on the rebound. Um, and he was just desperate to... A bit too keen to fill Rita's place um but more than that fill it with somebody with whom he doesn't have to hide because lumen had seen his dark passenger whether you like that phrase or not at the time that's that's what it was um the rest of the season well you see i wasn't as against the relationship with lumen as as some of you were and i know travis in particular has been very vociferous against lumen uh, regards even the name as a, as a very rude word. <laughs> um, the scene at the end with Deb on one side of the plastic and Lumen and Dexter on the other was incredibly tense for the finale, where watching it at the time, and I hadn't been spoiled, I had no idea which way it was going to go, what would happen. I didn't expect Dexter to die, of course, but um, I thought, is this it? Are they going to pull the trigger on, on Deb finding out? But no, it was another year before that was to happen. So we come to season six, and there seems to be great debates amongst the audience as to whether season five is better than six, or is six better than five. For me, I think I prefer season five. Uh, but really, in the scheme of things, I think both seasons are fairly weak. We know, looking back with hindsight, that the show was very much spinning its wheels. It was, um, yeah, just freewheeling during those years where they didn't know how long the show had to run. Showtime were arguably milking the show. Um, it's been described at that point as becoming a zombie show where it was just sort of just going on for the sake of it. The producers didn't have a, di a clear direction. Uh, and, and that shows, and the seasons suffered for it. And then, of course, they were able to negotiate two more seasons. So at the end of season six, we had that wonderful moment where Deb walks in on Dexter. Then we come to season seven, which I think was a pretty strong season. Not up there with the best of them, but it did have some terrific stuff. I loved some of those early conversations between Deb and Dexter. I loved how the writers wasted no time in having uh, Deb 
gradually find things out as the season went on. No, they went for broke right at the start, and that wonderful moment where Dexter walks in and Deb's found his kill tools and the slides, and they're out on the table, and she asks him, are you a serial killer? Did you kill all those people? And he's there with the spotlight on him. Yes. And that was that was a way to end an opening episode of a season that had, I think, every single one of us excited for what was to come next. Uh, the LaGuerta stuff was interesting. Um, again, some of you might argue it's retreading the Dokes ground, but for LaGuerta, obviously she had the motivation of wanting to clear Dokes' name. Of course, she never bought into the fact that Dokes was the Bay Harbour butcher, ever. So, season seven was a pretty good season, generally. And we've talked about season eight. So there we are. I've kind of summed up my feelings on season by season. We've got seasons three and four to rewatch, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I can't promise. I mean, you know the speed I churn these out. We could be talking about Dexter for another two years <laughs> at the rate I go. Um, but at least it, it ekes out what little Dexter we've got left to talk about together. And saying the word together there kind of brings me to concluding the podcast for some of you, because a lot of you, I'm aware and, and perfectly understandable, listen to this podcast to hear comment on the latest episodes of Dexter and um, I know from the download figures that numbers do drop for the rewatch podcasts, and I completely understand. Um, I'm glad that through the way I've done this podcast, I've been able to cater for everybody, I hope. But for a lot of you, this will be your final episode listening to me doing a Dissecting Dexter. And as I used the word together a few moments ago, I very much feel that we have uh, been on this journey together because I have been very keen right from the off to consider this podcast as much yours as it is mine. And, and as you know, not least from the length of these feedback podcasts, that um, this one in particular, that I value your comments. And one of the big things about doing this podcast for me is being able to interact with you guys uh, by way of my responses to your comments. Obviously, we've been able to get a bit of two-way dialogue going through the Facebook page and on Twitter at times, uh, and of course our roundtable podcasts. And uh, I, I um, particularly enjoyed uh, the one after the season eight finale, where we were able to get so many other people on uh, on that Skype call, and I was able to talk to some of you who I have probably known for a few years, but only through your emails. And, and it was great to be able to talk to some of you. Um, through Skype uh, and I'm very grateful for those of you who took time out to, to come on and of course to those regular contributors who um, have been on the uh, roundtable discussions uh, on previous occasions so really how, how do I how do I bring this to a close <laughs> um, it is the support of, of you guys, not just those of you who have contributed to the podcast through your feedback, uh, those of you who have submitted iTunes reviews to let me know that you enjoy the show, 
uh, that really has helped the podcast's positioning within iTunes, and it has been uh, uh, on the featured page before on iTunes, uh, and and that is thanks, I think, primarily to um, your uh, ratings and, and reviews on iTunes. And to everybody else who has supported me simply through downloading the podcast, um, it has been very encouraging to see the numbers growing year on year as, as new listeners discover the podcast. And it has been very encouraging to hear some of your comments when you said you've enjoyed the podcast more than the show, which is a compliment to me, but um, a sad indictment of <laughs> how some of you regard the show. The TV show, that is, not the podcast show. Uh, I should also thank those of you who have um, supported me through uh, the Audible trials. Uh, there have been quite a few of you have signed up through the, the podcast link, uh, audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Uh, Quick plug, yeah, sign up for a free one-month trial. Um, no obligation, you get a free audiobook download. You can choose one from any of their massive catalogue of, of audiobook titles. Um, you can cancel the trial before the one month expires and you owe them nothing. You don't have to pay a penny. But I do get a nice, uh, a small but very nice kickback uh, from every one of you that does sign up for a trial. Um, a few of you have, and it has helped cover the cost of Skype credit. Uh, it paid for the Skype credit for the, the two interviews that I did. Um, it pays for, or it contributed towards paying for the voicemail line. Um, so thank you very much for those of you who, who went to the effort of doing that. What else can I say? I guess I can't understate, no, I can't overstate and emphasise enough how much your support has meant to me. Um, as you know, particularly in this last year, with certain individuals determined on uh, upsetting the apple carts for our viewing uh, experience of this final season, um, and the support that came out from some of you uh, supporting me uh, in that situation was wonderful and my only regret is unfortunately some of you did fall foul to the same dickheads um and I, i'm very sorry about that but um i really do appreciate your support um i should give a very special thanks to uh, your friend of mine travis shefflin who stepped in on more than one occasion to um cover the podcast for me uh when i was away on holiday um Travis did a wonderful job, fantastic job. Um, whether you appreciate or get his um, style or his his outlook on um, things, um, I'm sure you'll agree he did uh, bring his A-game to each episode he covered for me and uh, put in a lot of effort. I know his his uh, his song last year, his rap, uh, went down a storm. <laughs> um, Travis is uh, a good friend of mine now. We've we've become friends through through doing all this. And um, Travis, mate, thanks very much. I I really owe you big time for um, for the help and support you've uh, given me in the podcast. And I'm sure the listeners will back me up on that. So. 
as I kind of bring things to a close now, I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm rambling, but I do want to get this out here, get this out there, just how much your support has meant to me. Uh, it, it has been humbling, uh, as I alluded to in my comments about Mike's podcast. You set off with zero listeners, and it's so encouraging to see the listenership grow and the feedback increase. Um, it's humbling to me uh, that people think that what I have to say is of some merit or of some value that you want to keep coming back and listen again and more than that that you want to take time out of your own busy busy day to um, put pen to paper put words to computer screen <laughs> you know what I mean uh, record a voicemail and send something in um, it's really helped keep me going keep me motivated and um, you know, there have been times when I've, my enthusiasm has waned, uh, but it's it's the, the knowledge that you guys are there that has G'd me up. And um, and that's why I feel so bad that since the finale of Dexter, what, six, <coughs> excuse me, six months have passed and I've got two podcasts out there. Uh, well, this is the second one in about six months and uh, I feel shitty about it. Uh, I won't go over the reasons again because you know them. I talked about them last time. Um, I, I, you deserve better than that and um, I, I do feel bad but thank you for sticking with me uh, I'm going to get going now because uh, well I've taken up enough of your time um, if you are leaving the podcast at this point um, and you are interested perhaps in hearing some more of my musings and ramblings in the future then um, subscribe to Gareth's Waste of Time uh, that's another podcast that has been neglected there is another one that's going to be fairly imminent where I talk about my top 10 uh, TV shows from 2013. Um, so subscribe to the feed and uh, watch out for that, hopefully in the next week or two when I get around to editing it. <laughs> So, yes, I shall get going. Uh, the rewatches will be back uh, very soon, I hope. Um, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into season three, as, as I've talked about. Uh, and I hope you join me. And once again, I can say we'll be dissecting some more Dexter together. Uh, season three, episode one, will be coming up first. So if you have any feedback, any thoughts about season three, episode one, and the introduction of one Miguel Prado, then drop me a line. It is dissectingdexter at gmail.com, where you can also send a, an audio file if you wish, uh, or catch me on Twitter at dissectdexter. So, that's it. Thanks very much again. Dexter, the TV show. My hat is off, even though it went out with a bitter disappointment. For me, it's been a great ride and I don't regret any of it. And to you, the listeners, thank you. Hand on heart, thank you. Until we dissect some more Dexter again, fairly soon. Take care, guys. Bye for now. <laughs>